Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves by dialing in toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line tonight. It's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And uh, it's our last live show from our studio for the week. Starting tomorrow night, we will be live on location at the New Hampshire Liberty Forum. And, of course, we'll tell you more about the Liberty Forum here coming up shortly. Uh, just sent out a uh, an update via our updates list and Twitter and Facebook page. Uh, we've I, I've been doing some tweaking here in the studio today, and we've upgraded the quality level of our webcam. Sweet. Uh, so now it's uh, it's twice the resolution, pretty much, and it just looks a little bit nicer now. So you can go and experience that over at cam.freetalklive.com. It's How almost as high a resolution as the airport scanners now. I don't know about that. <laughs> How were we able to do that? I mean, why? Um, is it I, bandwidth? I, or? I upgraded. Uh, we've had the bandwidth, but I, I upgraded some of the software that uh, that we were using. I went ahead and paid for the uh, the, the professional software. version of mm-hmm. the software, basically. And so that allowed me to kind of take it to the, the next level. Thanks, it's, AMP members. Yeah, well, it really was. A, it's really the Free Talk Live amplifiers that make a lot of the advances possible for this show. And you can learn more about that at amp.freetalklive.com. So, uh, as usual, much to discuss here tonight. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can take control of the airwaves. So there's a story of the New York Times. I think we should start out here uh, tonight. I found out about this through LouRockwell.com, where they're talking about states' rights, uh, so-called. Now, I don't really believe that states can have rights because, well, states are nothing more than an imaginary concept. It's uh, just a term for, you know, these other government entities and their powers, for, you know, how the powers are supposed to be separated. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a more decentralized version of the of the mammoth we've got in Washington. Right. The idea behind states' rights is that uh, the states supposedly were what uh, formed the federal government in the first place. And so if they entered into this agreement, creating the uh, their membership, if you will, in the United States, then they have the right to govern themselves and that uh, if they don't like what the federal government is doing, they have the right to say, we don't want to have anything to do with that. Uh, so essentially the idea being that the states are superior, if you will, or higher up uh, on the order of rankings than the federal government. So the idea is that people created states. Again, people are real. They created a fantasy concept called state for the purpose of uh, governance and all that. And then the states, fantasy concept, created the greater fantasy concept of the United States. So that's kind of the concept behind uh, states' rights. Anyway, really... And soon they'll all abdicate all their power to the larger fantasy concept of the UN. The Right, yeah, the world government. Uh, so, but there are some people that are pretty upset about the whole idea of what the federal government is doing, and certainly they don't they don't like the world government idea. And so they're starting to stamp their feet. And apparently, the uh, New York Times is paying attention. Whether it's correctly called a movement, a backlash, or a political theater, state declarations of their rights, or in some cases, denunciations of federal authority, amounting to the same thing, are on a roll. Governor Mike Rounds of South Dakota, a Republican, signed a bill into law on Friday declaring that at the federal that uh, the federal regulation of firearms is invalid if a weapon is made and used in South Dakota. On Thursday, Wyoming's governor Dave Freudenthal, a Democrat, signed a similar bill. It does make one bill. wonder how how in the world the federal government uh, can regulate guns that don't travel between the states because they've used that darn interstate compact uh, clause to pretty much 
regulate everything. Interstate Commerce Clause. Interstate Commerce, excuse me. Um, if uh, But if a gun is manufactured and owned and used in a single state, how can they do that? Well, they just do it. Yeah, they just do it and they tell you, you know, go pound salt. Right. And of course, a lot of the state government people sign away their uh, autonomy, if you will, by taking federal money. So that's one of the ways that the federal government uh, wrests control from the state and gets it into their hands. They basically come to the states and they say, well, hey, we've got a few million bucks here. How'd you Mm -hmm. like to uh, get your hands on that money? And of course, well, government bureaucrats really, really want to get that. So they, uh, you know, they, they say yes to whatever the agreements are that come along with whatever the strings are that are attached to that money. So that's why in the case of government schools, I've heard that there are, I think it's something to the extent of 6% of the funding for your local government school comes from the federal government, but approximately 90% of the regulations and the controls and the rules that they have to follow come from the federal government. So they're getting a little bit of money in return for a whole lot of uh, trade-offs of their, uh, their autonomy. And is it worth it? Because the federal government can print money and the states can't, and therein lies yeah. the problem. Oh, yeah. So, uh, so Not that it, I want the states printing money either. Right, right. But if, you, if the federal government couldn't print money either, then you'd, they'd be more, a lot more constrained. Right. They wouldn't have the same uh, level of ability to control. So, so the news here is that uh, South Dakota's re- Republican governor signed a, uh, this firearms legislation, <laughs> making it so that the uh, federal regulation is invalid if it's made and used, the gun is made and used in South Dakota. Wyoming's governor, uh, Dave Frodenthal, Democrat, signed a similar bill for that state. Uh, the same day, Oklahoma's House of Representatives approved a resolution that Oklahomans should be able to vote on a state constitutional amendment allowing them to opt out of the federal health care overhaul, which, of course, hasn't actually gone through yet, but uh, nonetheless. You might as well get ready for it. Yep. In Utah, lawmakers embraced states' rights with vengeance in the final days of the legislative session last week. One measure said Congress and the federal government could not carry out health care reform, not in Utah anyway, without approval of the legislature. Another bill declared state authority to take federal lands under the eminent domain process. That's pretty cool. Now, I'm, I'm not in favor of eminent domain. I think it's a poor uh, concept. I think it, it hurts people, and I don't care if you're using it for a public good or you know, to, uh, to do some sort of thing for the government. I, I realize that's how it's written into the Constitution. I still think it's stealing, and it needs to not happen at all. But if it's going to happen between like the state government taking the federal government's land, I can't say I have a problem with that use of eminent domain. <laughs> I mean, gang versus gang, it, I don't care. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I, in fact, I would love to see that happen. I would love to see every piece of land that's designated as federal here in our beautiful New Hampshire, it's like professional wrested wrestling. away from them by the state government. It's kind of like professional wrestling. You have uh, two fictional characters yeah. uh, sort of battling it out. It, yeah, and in that case, there's no real loser, right? I mean, as far as the rest of us, I mean, right. it's, we can't really suffer if the federal government loses their land. Well, if they to fight the in court, then uh, they use uh, tax money to well, do the fighting. True. That's true. Uh, whereas professional wrestlers, uh, you pay t- you pay your money voluntarily to go in and see, uh, you know, true, guys but... like uh, Glenn Jacobs, um, you know, battle it out with uh, uh, <laughs> whoever the, the bad guys are. I don't know. I, the, I only have one wrestler I like. Not that I see very much of it. Yeah, I've got a few, but Kane's my favorite. Some legal scholars say the new state's rights drive has more smoke than fire, but for lawmakers, just taking a stand can be important enough. State Representative Chris Herod, Republican from Provo, Utah, said, Who is the sovereign, the state or the federal government? Well, it's uh, not really... Hey, Chris. The- it's yeah. you and me. Right. It's, it's, it's individuals that are sovereigns. Of course, you have to actually claim your sovereignty 
if you don't know that you're a sovereign, then you're not a sovereign. If you don't say that you're a sovereign, if you don't actively act as though you are a sovereign, uh, that is the king of your own dominion, if you will, your own property, your own life, then you're not a sovereign. But uh, you can't really, in my opinion, you cannot have sovereignty uh, imbued into a fictional concept. Anyway, the nonetheless, he still asked the question, and he's also the leader of some Patrick Henry caucus, which formed last year and led the assault on federal legal barricades in the, in the session that ended Thursday. Alabama, Tennessee, and Washington are considering bills or constitutional amendments that would assert local police powers to be supreme over the federal authority, according to the Tenth Amendment Center, a research and advocacy group based in Los Angeles. And Utah, not to be outdone, passed a bill last week that says federal law enforcement authority, even on federal lands, can be limited by the state. And that's, again, uh, something I completely agree with. Uh, I love the idea of like having a liberty-oriented sheriff or something like that stand up and say, if you're with the DEA, you'll be arrested if you come in to, uh, to do your business here in our county. You know, basically giving a heads-up to the federal uh, goons to say, look, we don't want you around here. We don't want your tap around these parts. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what a sheriff sounds like? I don't know. I, I think so. Uh, so there's a tsunami of interest in states' you're rights. A, you're just not a genuine sheriff unless you, <laughs> unless you talk like that. you got to have some tobacco juice dripping out of your mouth. <laughs> where is New Hampshire in this uh, this article? I don't see any New Hampshire. Where, where's all the nullification going on up here? New I mean, Hampshire's kind of purple these days. I think it's going to be we're gonna it's going to be 2010 before because a lot of this stuff is just Republicans uh, flexing their muscles, and I'm glad to see the Republicans doing that. But um, you know the Democrats are pretty happy with uh, the way things are going up in Washington right now. I'd say. We're coming up here in moments at 800-259-9231. You can bring up what you want to control of the airwaves. This is Free Talk Live. American patriots, would you like to spend a day or two with other freedom-loving Americans? Learn rifle marksmanship while hearing the real story behind the American Revolution? If you said yes, then the Appleseed program is for you. Part shooting school, part oral history lesson, Appleseed has trained thousands of Americans nationwide. And with hundreds of shoots scheduled this year, you can be sure there's one near you. For more information, go to AppleseedInfo.org. That's AppleseedInfo.org. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site for free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. And those features include the various different ways we can get the new, latest news to you about Free Talk Live. Go to news.freetalklive.com. You'll be presented with our updates list, which will get you updates via email. You can get on our Twitter page and our Facebook profile, all via news.freetalklive.com. As we continue here, the story is out of the New York Times, where they're reporting on the nullification movements that are gaining in popularity around the country, uh, pointing out that Wyoming and South Dakota have both passed and, and had the governor sign into uh, to law the, uh, I guess, some rules that basically say that federal firearms legislation is uh, invalid if the weapons that are, that are in question, if you will, are being made within the state, made and sold and purchased within the state. Within the state. 
Uh, also, Utah has been doing some things, uh, specifically rejecting the idea of federal control over health care. They are basically taking some preemptive steps, if you will, to uh, essentially lay that out. I don't know if that's gone through the governor yet there. I don't think so. But nonetheless, there's some, some level of uh, motion going on out there that is basically saying, yeah, we're going to assert our so-called state sovereignty, and uh, basically we're not going to go along with what you feds are wanting anymore. In fact, the again, Utah state government passed a bill saying that federal law enforcement authority, even on federal lands, can be limited by the state. Uh, so there's a little bit more here. From the New York Times, there's a tsunami of interest in states' rights and resistance to an overbearing federal government, and that's what all these measures indicate, says the president of Montana Shooting Sports Association, Gary Marbin, which led the drive last year for one of the first firearms freedoms laws, like the one signed last week in South Dakota and Wyoming. In most cases, conservative anxiety over federal authority is fueling the impulse with the Tea Party movement or its members in the backdrop or forefront Mr. Herod in Utah said he'd spoken at Tea Party rallies, for example, but that his efforts and those of the Patrick Henry caucus were not directly connected to the Tea Partiers. And in some cases, according to the Tenth Amendment Center, the politics of states' rights are veering left. Rhode Island, Vermont, and Wisconsin, for example, none of them known as conservative bastions, are considering bills that would authorize or require governors to recall or take control of National Guard troops, asserting that federal calls to active duty have exceeded federal authority. So it's not necessarily a righty movement, which I think is good. I think that's mm-hmm. uh, it's beneficial because we uh, – first of all, I'm not left or right. I just want the gov- federal government out of my life. I'd like the state government out, but we'll start with the feds. And uh, if if this can be seen, the idea of nullification, if this can be seen favorably by both people on the right and left, then uh, that's only a good thing for its uh, publicity. Yeah, I, I think that it's uh, – if you want something to happen, you really have to make it – Sort of a, a bipartisan thing from the grassroots level, because uh, if it if, if if it gets pigeonholed as one side or the other, Republican or Democrat, I, I don't feel like it's going to go anywhere. Tom Woods, senior fellow at the Ludwig von Mises Institute, a nonprofit group in Auburn, Alabama, that researches what it calls the scholarship of liberty, had this to say. Everything we've tried to keep the federal government confined to rational limits has been a failure, an utter unrelenting failure. So why not try something else? Woods, who has a Ph.D. in history and has written widely on states' rights and nullification, the argument that says states can sometimes trump or disregard federal law, said he was not sure where the dots between states' rights and politics connected, but he and others say that whatever it is, something politically powerful is brewing under the state house domes. Other scholars say the state efforts, if pursued in the courts, would face formidable roadblocks. Article 6 of the Constitution says federal authority outranks state authority, and on that bedrock of federalist principle rests centuries of back and forth that states have mostly lost, notably the desegregation of schools in the 1950s and 60s. According to a professor teaching constitutional law at the City City University of New York School of Law, he says Article 6 says that the federal law is supreme, and if there's a conflict, federal law prevails. It's pretty difficult to imagine a way in which a state could prevail on many of these. And, of course, as you might, they might point out, uh, a lot of folks will rest on the Civil War as proof that uh, the states are subservient to the federal government. But I think it's about time for another secession effort to prove the other direction. I think this time you don't fire on any forts. Absolutely. Now, while some efforts do seem headed for a direct conflict with federal laws or the Constitution, others are premised on the idea that federal courts have misinterpreted the Constitution in the federal government's favor. Well, gee, that's a shock. Yeah, what a surprise. 
Uh, lawsuit filed last year by the Montana Shooting Sports Association after the state's firearms freedom law took effect, for example, doesn't say that the federal government has no authority to regulate guns, but that courts have misconstrued interstate commerce regulations. National monuments and medical marijuana, of all things, play a role as well. Mr. Herod in Utah said that after an internal memorandum from the United States Department of Interior was made public last month discussing sites around the country potentially suitable for federal protection as national monuments, included two sites in Utah, support for all kinds of statements against federal authority gained steam. And at the Tenth Amendment Center, the group's founder, Michael Bolden, said he thought that states had bucked federal authority over the last decade by legalizing medical marijuana, even as federal law held that all marijuana use and possession was illegal. Well, I guess it's not really illegal. There's a there's a there's a tax uh, you know stamp or something that you can get from the federal government. They just don't give any out. Okay, but it's effectively, <laughs> effectively illegal. illegal. It's a Schedule yeah. One narcotic, which puts it at the level of heroin. Yeah, it's crazy. Anyway, it had set the template in some ways for the efforts now, and those states, said Bolden, were essentially were essentially validated in their efforts last fall when the Justice Department said it would no longer make medical marijuana a priority in the states where it was legal, though I think I've heard that they're still doing the raids out in California. Hmm. Nullification, he said, was shown to work. Whether the political impulse of states' rights and nullification will become a direct political fault line in the national elections this fall is uncertain, according to Woods. But in Utah, at least, a key indicator is coming much sooner. The party caucuses to determine, among other things, whether candidates will face primary elections are to be held next Tuesday. And Harrod said the states' rights crowd would attend and push for change. Those politicians who don't understand that things are different are in big trouble because a few people showing up to a caucus can have a big influence. A spokesbureaucrat for Governor Herbert that signed the firearms law like South Dakota's last month declaring exemption from federal regulation for guns made and used within the state said Herbert was still studying the new batch of bills passed this week and had not yet made any decisions about signing them. So, you know, I I really do wonder about the uh, the Democrats trying to pass this uh, health care bill. It, it 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 looks like, um, you know, such a suicide charge to me. Um, in 2010, every last one of the representatives is going to come up for uh, a vote mm-hmm. and a third of the senators are. And 90 plus percent will probably get reelected. You think so? I That's don't think it's it going to be that kind of, I, most Every the, time. I don't think people – I see this. I understand where you're, yeah. you're drawing on history as a, a, you know, to make your conclusion. Mm. And I think that it's a good place to look to draw conclusions. I do think that things are different right now. And I think you're going to see seats change in the House of Representatives. Yeah. I agree. I think it's not going to be 90 percent, although if it's close to 90 percent, even if it's 80 percent, then I'd be real suspicious. But when you have somebody like Dennis Kucinich now folding on the health care bill because he had a ride in Air Force One and maybe they showed him some compromising pictures, I don't know. That's a, it's a little scary. The toll free number here is 1-800-259-9231. But positive news that a big state organ reporting company like the New York Times is even covering the nullification movements, I think, really says something. Awesome. There's more coming up here. You can bring up what you want. It's Free Talk Live. This Your Family Today tip is brought to you by Ovaltine. Nutritious vitamins and minerals and a delicious chocolate taste for your picky eaters. Be sure to visit us at OvaltineUSA.com. With kids, food battles are more about control than about food. If you want to avoid a battle with your picky eater, give them a say in what they eat. At dinner, let them choose between broccoli or fruit salad. At the supermarket, give them three cereals to pick from. The more control they have, the less there is to argue about. For more tips like these, visit us at Parenthood.com slash Your Family Today. 
This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line tonight. It's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site for free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. Our website features the Shrine of Female Listeners. With dozens of ladies that have taken the time to send us their validated photo or video showing they are indeed listeners of this program, head over to shrine.freetalklive.com. See it for yourself. And if you're a lady listener, get involved. That's shrine.freetalklive.com. Critical thinking exercise. Explain the difference between government and organized crime. Be sure to include in your comparison the disadvantages that organized crime syndicates might encounter by not having access to a 12-year propaganda system designed to convince children that their activities are somehow not organized crime. School Sucks Podcast is a show about the end of public education and socially acceptable forms of organized crime. Visit schoolsucksproject.com to learn more. You know, speaking of organized crime, I've got a story that is just, I think, a stunning example of how effective... The organized crime out there. I'm not, I'm not talking about government. Government's obviously the biggest, largest, most effective organized crime ring. But I mean the other guys, uh, the uh, the mafia, the uh, the gangs, the criminal gangs out there. How effective they can be at doing their uh, their business. Story is from WTNH.com, Enfield, Connecticut, where thieves have broken into an Enfield warehouse filled with prescription drugs over Ooh. the weekend getting away with up to $75 million worth of narcotics. The large, nondescript brown building back in the woods in Enfield is a transportation hub of sorts for prescription drug company Eli Lilly. Over the weekend, someone cut a hole in the roof and repelled inside. Nice. Stealing between (laughs) 50 and $75 million worth of drugs. It's the largest theft in town history. That is like a movie, man. It is. It's incredible. The hole Hudson was, Hawk. <laughs> Enfield Police Chief Carl Safraza said the hole was very high up and there was no way they uh, they there was no way they you would be able to leap to the floor. He says, I don't want to get into the specific evidence that we found there, but we believe that's how they gained entry into the building. Police are still collecting evidence and trying to figure out much. Let's see, we found a big hole in the ceiling and a bunch of stuff was gone. <laughs> They're trying to figure out how much of what drugs were stolen. So Sources close to the investigation say about 70 pallets of prescription drugs were taken. Wow. Now, can you imagine? That's a lot of drugs. Yeah, moving moving that moving 70 pallets of boxed drugs. A up, pallet is large. You, you would need uh, multiple 18-wheelers. How yeah. did they get them all out of that little hole in the ceiling? Well, I imagine they opened the back gate up and uh, pulled their trucks up to it. Oh, yeah. yeah. I would think I would think they would have to have done something. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm there trying to imagine. There must be alarms, too. They, you couldn't pull... Not on the ceiling. No, no, but I mean, once they opened the doors... Ah, that's a good point. And, and, and pulled the trucks in, unless they knew how to disable the alarms. That's a possibility. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, you couldn't pull 70 pallets worth of uh, of drug... You couldn't pull 70, a pallet up by like a rope, yep. up through a hole in the ceiling. That doesn't make much sense. It's just for diamonds and stuff. No. Yeah. <laughs> well, in fact, the police point out that uh, they probably left out the back door. Uh, oh, by the way... They are painkillers that we're talking about here. Those are the types of prescription drugs they took. So if they hurt their back carrying says, 70 pallets worth of, uh, of of these drugs, they've just got some painkillers they can take life. care of. Yeah, it's sweet. 
I imagine they had whatever equipment they needed to move those pallets without oh, yeah. having to actually use their backs. Probably had pallet jacks and all of the stuff they needed. They probably had it right there at the warehouse for them. It could yeah. have been, it, also, it could have been somebody who knew something about the building, too. I'm Very sure. good chance. Uh, police say they knew what they were doing. Uh, indeed, they probably left out the back door at the loading docks because they needed at least one tractor trailer, if not two, to get that amount of uh, drugs out. The evidence the officers found... Uh, yeah, that this does not appear that it's one or two individuals that committed this burglary. It appears to be a well-organized and large-scale operation. Enfield detector, uh, detectives think that one of the options is the drugs may be en route to Canada and may be sold on the black market from there. Well, that's just pure speculation because I can tell you that wherever yeah, they're being pl- sold, it's being the, it is the black market. There's I mean, pl- no, plenty true. of market for it no matter where they sell them. Absolutely. Uh, News Channel 8 did some research and found that Prozac is being sold online for $184 for 20 and Gemzar is being sold online for 484 also a product made by Eli Lilly. Representative for Eli Lilly says, At this point in time, we don't think we have any inventory issues, and we'll, we are able to supply the marketplace through other sites. Anyone who may have witnessed anything should call the police department. So this is a, a really stunning example of what happens when a product is not necessarily even prohibited, but just prohibited from over-the-counter sale. You can get these products, these uh, these painkillers, but you have to go through the doctor. You have to have some sort of legitimate reason that'll convince the doctor to write you the prescription. Then you can go and get your prescription filled. It's not a simple process of just walking into the store and taking what you want off the shelf. How many times do you hear about aspirin being offloaded from uh, you know from the manufacturers by by criminals? How often do you hear about Budweiser distributors being robbed uh, from their warehouses? I'm not saying that that it doesn't happen, but has it ever happened on a on a scale like this? Well, I mean, for one thing, Bud, Budweiser may not be the greatest example because, um, in fact, these distributorships are extraordinarily, uh, you know, they, they they give very few licenses for beer distributorships. The states hold those uh, very dear, and mm-hmm. they don't give them give them out. So, uh, if if anybody could open up a beer distributorship and distribute beer, then it wouldn't be at nearly true. nearly as expensive as it as it currently is, and um, you'd 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 see less of that. But, um, you know, as the case may be, you don't see, as you said, aspirin. And that's really what we would be talking about here. If uh, painkillers, heroin's a fine painkiller, and that's what a lot of these things are. And it, Typically, it, yeah. It would be very cheap to manufacture, no big deal. And, uh, you know, some people would probably get hooked on it, but they I think the claim is that everyone would get hooked on it. And I can tell you when I've had uh, pain pain pill prescriptions given to me at the doctor's office, I've been like, oh, I'm not going to get that. I mean, that stuff is going to be very serious for me to take a pain pill because I know that those things can be addictive. I'm very careful about that. I, I mean, yeah, some people would get addicted to them. Absolutely. But. What we They're already have, addicted to right. them, and this is my point. The, the, that's the reason why this robbery happened, is because there's a tremendous demand for things like oxycodone. And I don't know if Eli Lilly manufactures that product, but I'm just throwing it out there as mm-hmm. one of the more popular ones. Uh, there's a tremendous demand in the black market for these products, and the users will pay upwards of $20 for one pill. I mean, it's crazy how much they're willing to pay for these things. Mm. And so there's a tremendous profit incentive here. And all they have to do is steal the product, 
I mean, they don't even have to. The drug dealers don't have to manufacture it. There's already a company that's manufacturing it, or more than one company, and they just intercept the the uh, the, the deliveries, or the, mm-hmm. in this case, break into the factory or the warehouse. Yeah, that's <laughs> a lot easier than setting up a uh, a meth lab. Right. Yeah, it's it, it is a lot cheaper because likely on this case they had somebody who's familiar with the with the warehouse, yep. and that's how they were able to pull this off, and that's cheap. To find somebody who's yeah. who works there, big deal. Right. So you get, uh, as they say here, seventy million dollars worth of drugs. You get pallets full of uh, seventy pallets of prescription drugs. That's tremendous. What is a pallet like? Six feet by six? No, not six feet. It's probably like four and a half feet by four and a half feet, five feet by five feet. They're fairly large. Yeah. You can put a lot of product on uh, on one pallet and stack it up fairly tall. Uh, so we're talking about a lot of pills. You take those out, you parcel them out onto the street level, and you're selling them at 20 bucks a pop. Even if you're selling at 10 bucks a pop, yeah. you're going to make a lot more than 70 million. With that kind of money, done. I wonder if anybody gets shot if they're going to find a body, um, you know, mm. or two. If you tried to stop them, you'd get shot. No, I meant um, amongst the group, you know, because that's that's a big deal, uh, and there's a lot of people involved, and I'm just yeah. wondering. Yeah, you guys are expendable, a la the Joker from the most re- sure. recent Batman. I mean, it happens. Yeah, it's not unrealistic to suggest something like that. So if you want to see an end to this, the only answer is to eliminate the prescription drug process, to take all drugs that are currently labeled as prescription and make them available via any pharmacy in the, or anybody that wants to sell them. And that would do something tremendous to the prices as well, by the way, would, mm-hmm. uh, would save people who are sick. Many cases, sick people don't tend to have the, uh, the most money to throw around. Uh, it would save them a tremendous amount of money because they wouldn't have to go to the doctor every time they needed a refill because that's a scam where the, the oh, you only get two refills and you have to come back and see us again. Yep. Lay out another hundred bucks. So th- there's more here, though. 800-259-9231. We'd love to uh, get your thoughts on prohibition of prescription drugs because it's a semi-prohibition and still the effects of prohibition are present. 1-800-259-9231. Do you have uh, experience with prescription narcotics? It's free talk live. The legendary race into the night. The world's fastest sports car racing door to door for 12 grueling hours in an epic showdown. Be there Saturday, March 20th at Sebring International Raceway. The 58th Annual Mobile One 12 Hours of Sebring presented by Fresh from Florida is coming March 20th. See Porsche, Corvette, Ferrari, Jaguar, BMW, Mazda, and Acura battle in America's toughest road race. Gates open on Wednesday, March 17th. Order tickets today. Call 800-626-7223 or visit SebringRaceway.com. Four days of family fun at Sebring. Children 12 and under admitted free. The 58th Annual Mobile One 12 Hours of Sebring. Presented by Fresh from Florida, March 20th. Order your tickets at SebringRaceway.com. Visit the Coca-Cola display at your local Sweet Bay supermarket for an exclusive ticket discount. Sweet Bay, where saving you money is our passion. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves by dialing in toll-free at 800-259-9231. SACL CAI, toll-free life. 1-800-259-9231, 1-800-259-9231, and tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. And if you enjoy this program and you want to help support Free Talk Live, we would like you to promote the show. You can go and uh, learn how at promote.freetalklive.com. That is promote.freetalklive.com. If you're thinking about starting a business, here's a word to the wise. Incorporate it 
LegalZoom.com. LegalZoom.com can help you out with all kinds of uh, legal issues, whether it's uh, patents, wills, trademarks, LLCs. They even do no fault, help you out with no-fault divorces there or um, small claims court. You can uh, go check it out at LegalZoom.com. It's fast and easy. I did my will over there, um, and it was fast and easy, and you need to have your will done. If you don't, you're just leaving your family out there for the government to take care of, and we know how that'll work out. Use code FTL to save $10 off your order at LegalZoom.com. The numbers are in, and Mark is going to share some of them with us uh, from the Heritage Foundation's Economic Freedom of the World 2010 report. That's coming up here on Free Talk Live. Also, your calls. You're welcome to make them about whatever you want at 800-259-9231. But I was watching a video this afternoon, which has been posted over at freekeen.com. You can see it for yourself there. With the local jail superintendent, Rick Van Wickler, he is a member of Law Enforcement Against Prohibition and just a, an overall all-around nice guy. Uh, the Certainly, if you're going to be in jail, it would be best to have it being run by this guy. I mean, yeah, he's still a uh, he's still a government bureaucrat, and the the rules of being a bureaucrat do still uh, apply, and the jail is still a bureaucracy. But nonetheless, this is one of the more compassionate uh, government people that I've uh, I've come across, and he's somebody who has had a real transition over the last couple of years of his life. He at one time would have been a ardent drug warrior, and then he came to the conclusion, as anyone who has intellectual honesty. And the ability to uh, to look and consider differing points of view will come to that conclusion if they take a look at the issue of the war on drugs. That's what I think too. But um, I, what I would actually prefer is for people to take a, you know a critical look at the war on drugs. Just take a look at some of the facts. Listen to Free Talk Live. Call in and ask us questions about the war on drugs. Pr- uh, you know, consider the answers that uh, that we give. Uh, you know, there, there's. The fact is that you can spend a lot of time researching this. You can call us up and talk to us about concerns, too. But I would encourage people to look at it from a critical standpoint. Don't try to debate us because, well, you know, nobody ever really wins debates anyway. Right. So Rick Van Wickler, uh, one of the many speakers from Law Enforcement Against Prohibition, he came to the conclusion, as uh, anybody will who looks at the evidence, that the war on drugs is a tremendous failure it's a war against our friends. It's a war against our family members. And anybody who's compassionate towards their fellow man should be advocating for the end of this war. Uh, they actually took uh, him and one of the other activists from New Hampshire and pit, pit them against the assistant attorney general here, as well as the police chief who's in charge of the, the drug enforcement division, basically. So the two head drug cops, basically, versus uh, the jail, one of the jail superintendents and another uh, one of the, uh, the free staters. They, uh, they had this, this video as half an that? hour – uh, Matt Simon. Oh, they, okay. uh, there's a half-hour-long video. It's posted over at freekeen.com. But I can't believe a, the cops uh, willingly did that. Well, you know, they they did. Yeah. And, How'd and, they do? Uh, well, they got their ass handed to them, of course. But they, I'm sure they don't feel that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, they trotted out the old excuses of, well, if we, if we legalize... Uh, and, of course, they were mostly just talking about marijuana. Because there's a proposal here in New Hampshire about decriminalizing marijuana to some extent. And really, yeah, that's God what... knows we wouldn't want to just uh, take a quarter of an ounce and um, limit yeah. the ticket that they can give you to two hundred dollars. Oh, they were all upset about the, you know, the, oh, what will this, what message will this send to our children? Well, the it'll message make... it'll oh, send is that it, it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be four hundred. That's what they love to do. Four hundred and twenty dollars for any possession of marijuana. Yeah. They hate the idea that the money might be going away. They're tax-fed bureaucrats, and they just that's hate not it. it, Mark. It's about the children. 
It's, it's about right. the children. Because the children because, can spend that kind of money? Because the, and this is what the cop actually said. He And I'm paraphrasing, of course. He said something to the effect of, well, you know, right now, alcohol is widely available, but uh, marijuana and other drugs are not. And he's just, he's full and he's of it. not even looking at the statistics. Right. The fact is, if you ask high school students, they'll say that it's easier to get pot than it is to get yeah. alcohol. And actually, I was surprised that uh, the anti-drug war folks or the pro-freedom folks didn't actually call him on that one. Uh, but, you know, they only had a half an hour. Yeah, it's so hard to get hit covered. all the facts. Uh, but you know, the, this kind of scary idea that if we were to decriminalize marijuana, it'd be everywhere. It'd be all over the place. And what would we, we be telling children? And this is terrible. And I think they did a really good job of addressing Even it. Even if but- it was all over the place, uh, like as much as alcohol is, then I mean, it's it's not as dangerous as alcohol is. Nope. You want your kid to smoke pot instead of drinking uh, beers. Believe well, me. They also tried to trot out the idea that uh, marijuana is going to ruin your life. And, uh, of course, he had a... Uh, he had his own story. The police chief, in this case, had his own personal story about when he was in high school. He knew some kids that got into marijuana, and they just threw their lives away. Well, I knew kids who drank and died in car accidents. Yeah. yeah. How their lives doing, pal? Yeah. Right. And, uh, of course, I've known people that are uh, marijuana smokers and are straight-A students. So... Everybody's got their own case study. Sure, there's marijuana. There, I'm sure lawyers right in this town, that, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. uh, you know, doctors and and all those things. Absolutely, plenty, plenty of people. And, and they, they're acting as if they're they're preventing or deterring marijuana use by these laws and these fines. It's not doing a thing. It's just driving the price of it up, and it means that you have more organized crime. And that I think is one of the most important points, and why I wanted to tie this discussion into the story about the. 70 million uh, 70 million dollars worth of drugs that were stolen from the Eli Lilly uh, cor- corporation in legal Connecticut drugs, so-called. right the so-called legal drugs but because there's some level of prohibition on their sale there's a drive to the black market to get these products out to the people that can't get them through the legal channels uh, and th- so th- it creates crime the fact that prohibition exists creates crime it puts people in danger it puts businesses in danger of theft it puts person individuals in danger of having their you know their car stolen or their stereo stolen from their car or somebody breaking into their home to take some of their valuables, their jewelry, to pawn it, to get some cash to buy, whether it's a hit of crack you'll or be whether lucky it's if an they just, oxycodone. You'll be lucky if they just break into the house. I mean, right, if you're not home, right? There's the certainly um, situations where people get hurt because people are breaking into their homes. And, and there's also people I know who've been set up where they're actually, they have a prescription for oxycodone. And they'll have an undercover cop come and try to buy some from them and keep pestering them and pestering them and pestering them. And finally, really? the guy says, okay, I'll give you one. And the guy, the, the undercover cop throws some money on the desk and then they get busted. And then it's a sale. Otherwise, it's, Yes, exactly. Yeah. So it's just so tragic that these police can sit there in the face of the evidence. And it's been presented countless times. I mean, just on the marijuana issue alone, the evidence has been presented over and over again. In the three or f- three plus years that we've been here, Mark, they've had at least a few hearings on various different marijuana decrim or medical marijuana bills in the uh, the state house. And it's usually these characters from the uh, the government that the, you know, the attorney general sends somebody over and the police chiefs association send their guys over. It's usually these very same people people that were on this interview that I saw today, at free, you can see it at freekeen.com, but it's usually the same people that are mm-hmm. sitting in that room as the uh, the pro-freedom side prevents, uh, presents their side of the case, and it's just obviously it's not making a mark on these people. They're not, either they're not paying attention 
or like you said, they're so addicted to the cash and they're so mm-hmm. addicted to the power that they get from having this war on drugs that they just, if just out of hand, reject whatever information they're coming across. Yeah. Yeah. I'm convinced that the war on drugs is not about public safety. It's about keeping the status quo. It's about money. It's mm. about funding. Because don't forget, if you look at the history of the war on drugs, look at all the new police that were hired. And, and a lot of police are okay. But they've, they've had to hire a lot more, supposedly, because of all the drive-by shootings and all these things that have happened mm-hmm. as a result of, of the illegal drug trade in this country. More judges, more politicians get their, their political coffers soaked up with, with uh, laundered drug money. The banks and, 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 the, and, and even the stock market is, is flushed with drug money. Illegal drug money. So if, sure. if drugs were legal, all of a sudden the price of drugs comes down. You don't have all those excess profits uh, basically priming all these pumps anymore. And so it, it's much deeper than people realize this problem because these people have become mo- uh, money junkies. Yep, absolutely. And the, the attorney general, the assistant attorney general, actually had the balls to say uh, something to the effect of that she doesn't think that, mer- uh, that misdemeanor convictions are ruining people's lives. She just blew off the fact that uh, countless amounts of Americans, New Hampshireites in our case, it's where, where, where we're doing the show from, uh, that countless amounts of people have had misdemeanor convictions added to their, uh, their record, criminal record, which they wouldn't have had before mm-hmm. because they're not real criminals. They haven't actually hurt anybody. They just got caught with a plant in their pocket or a joint or something like that. That doesn't hurt people? That doesn't affect people's lives? Have, has she ever tried to get a job with a misdemeanor conviction? That's ridiculous. Right. She looks straight into the camera and makes that claim that, oh, it's no big deal getting a misdemeanor conviction. Then she shouldn't mind having one put on her record. There's more coming up here at 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. Hour number two is on the way. You can take control of the airwaves. Economic Freedom of the World 2010. We address that next in your calls. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. We're launching into the second hour of the program. You are invited to take control of the airwaves to bring up whatever's on your mind. Dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. It's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features on the site are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. We will take your calls about whatever might happen to be on your mind. Coming up, Mark, you've got uh, the latest the 2010 Economic Freedom of the World survey, the report mm-hmm. from the Heritage Foundation has just been released, and uh, we'll give you some of the details from it here. But first, an email, a follow-up email, actually. Guys, I called into the radio show this Monday about the $90 fee that I had to pay for locking myself out of my apartment. And I still had a few points I wanted to make, but uh, the call ended before I could raise them, and he says, that's fine, I understand you've got other callers and a show to do. So here are the quick points I wanted to make. And I'd still appreciate your opinions if you have time at all. So just to bring you up to speed, and you, Wayne, those of you listening that may not have heard uh, this particular incident, uh, a gentleman called in. He made it clear that he absentmindedly locked his keys in his car, and at the same time, his house key was also in his car, so he couldn't get into his house to get his extra key to get into his car, and so he had to, or he felt he had to, call the landlord. And it was late at night, so it was after hours. And it was a $90 charge to get somebody to come out 
and to unlock his uh, his door so he could go in, get his extra car key, unlock his car, and, and get back into his uh, the places he needed to get into. And he pointed out that when he made the phone call to the uh, the management company, that it was not made clear to him that there would be a charge incurred for this. They just simply said, well, we'll send someone right out or something to that, eff- to that effect. They, they, they just sent somebody out, they unlocked the door, and then later on, uh, he was presented with a bill. I think a bill came in the mail that uh, said, okay, well, now you owe this, this $90 for the, uh, the, the unlocking. And, of course, my first question was, well, was this in your lease? And he said yes. In fact, uh, he looked at his lease later on, and yep, there it was, that there was this fee. And one of the points we didn't uh, we didn't clarify, Mark, and that you and I were kind of left wondering that night was, was it specified the price in the lease? Or did it simply say in the lease that, uh, th- that you will be assessed a fee for opening your door? Uh, was that was it specified or was it just kind of well we'll just charge you whatever we want right because then your question your your objection to that would have been Mark that well they could have assessed you a fee of a thousand dollars if they'd wanted to and then and then uh, would you have to pay it simply because the contract <laughs> says that you'd be assessed some sort of fee well he points out that although it was in my contract with the landlord company that they will charge me a fee for unlocking my apartment room specifically he says seventy dollars during office hours ninety dollars after hours. And I did sign said contract. My problem is I was unable to review my contract because it was locked inside my room. Had I been able to access it before the company went through with unlocking my apartment, then I certainly would have altered my actions in light of the information, likely by waiting until their office hours the next day when the fee would have been $20 less. So here's his question. He says, do you believe that each party in a transaction should be obligated to completely memorize their contract and suffer consequences for not remembering every last detail of six or let's say dozens more pages of fine print in the event they're unable to physically review the contract before proceeding with actions relevant to that contract? And I would say, of course not. I mean, it's silly to think that anybody is going to be able to uh, to memorize all the provisions of that contract. On the other hand, I still think it's caveat emptor. And that uh, as that it's your responsibility as the tenant to if you have any question about exactly what the process is going to be when you call them up and you say, hey, you know, I'm locked out here and uh, I'm not sure what this is going to cost me. What's this going to cost me? So he kind of felt like it was just a freebie because they didn't tell him that it was going to cost something. And I agree with him that it would have been the right thing for them to do to say, well, uh, let's see his name, Sam. Well, Sam, uh, if we come out now, it's going to be 90 bucks. But if you want to wait till the morning, it'll be 70 bucks. And and I think I think that would have been good customer service for them to do that. Right. And but my, it's his responsibility to ask if he wants to know. And my mm. my um, sort of complaint here is is that I think that there there are too many times in life, and I think a great example is uh, at a restaurant when they'll say, you want some chives on your pota- baked potato, or you want a little uh, sour cream on it? And you're like, sure. Turns out a dollop of sour cream is a dollar fifty. Mm-hmm. You could have gotten a tub of Brickstones uh, at the grocery store for that dollar fifty, but they charge a, that little dollop, and yeah. uh, that's a buck fifty. And I feel that that's wrong when they do that. They should tell you, would you like a dollop of uh, sour, sour cream? It'll be a dollar fifty, and then you can say sure or no. You can make your decision um, at that time with that information. And I feel that that's... I agree with you that that's good customer service, but at the same time, it's also your responsibility to say, oh, oh, how much is that sour cream if they don't just out and tell you? Right. I, um, I Maybe think I want the sour cream. With, how much will it cost you know, me? When it comes pe- to restaurants... Some people don't feel comfortable asking how much does that cost because it's kind of 
it can be tacky and especially if you're on I a business if you at a business yeah. meeting or you're on a date or Absolutely, something like that people tacky. people will make um, decisions about you based on that and they know that you're not going to ask so they're just going to charge you and then, right uh, well that I think that that's the reason that they shouldn't do it I th- I think that's dirty pool however now, after I read this email that mm-hmm. he sent um, what else could the landlord do about advising this fella of the charges. Do you know what I mean? Well, no, I don't know what you mean. What well, you mean? he put it in the... He, apparently, the charges were in the lease. It's That's correct. It's $70 for a lockout, $90 an off-hour lockout. Yes. And what else could the landlord do? Uh, I mean, you know, obviously, the guy's not Again, responsible. They could, have informed, they could have informed him at the time of the call. They could the have lockout just company reminder. could have, but that's not in well, there. Well, I don't recall if he called the lockout company or if he called the management company. I think he probably called the management company for the apartment, and then they called whoever they needed to call to get the... The door I think that um, you this know apartment building. You call the manager. I think that the, it's also sort of a uh, an understood part of life that if somebody's coming out and it's not business hours, nine a.m. to mm-hmm. five p.m. Monday through Friday, that you're going to pay extra. Sure. Um, and I, you know, after reading, I, I was on his side <laughs> on this one until I read the email where they gave yeah. the specifics in the contract. What else is the guy supposed to do in order to inform you of your of the costs? And I I, I feel he's uh, fulf- the the landlord's fulfilled whatever obligation he had. You know, the, some of the better landlords I've had in the past will, will actually go through. They'll have two copies of the lease and they'll go through every single thing with you before you sign it. I've done and, that too. And, and, yeah, and it's, that's the best way to do it because then he probably would have remembered something like that. Whereas if he just says, "Here, here's the lease, sign it," you may just kind of skim through it and, and maybe not read it all the way and forget that provision. But if he, but if the landlord actually spells it all out with you and, and goes through every provision of the lease with you, you're more likely to remember it. Yeah, and I think that um, you know some it it shows good customer service and signing a lease is an important uh, act for most people, and they're willing to spend a half an hour with you going over the piece mm-hmm. of paper. And I think that it's best to do that because mm-hmm. sometimes there'll be provisions in the lease that you need that a landlord should Ex- go over um, people with, and uh, you know like sure. whether uh, you know. There was, you know, whether or not you can have pets, how, you know, if, if a visitor can come with a pet, you know, things like that. There's yeah, all kinds smoking. of, yeah, smoking's a very big issue. So uh, he goes on to say, and he's got another point here in a moment, but on the first issue with the lockout and the charge, uh, it seems to me that each party should have the right to review their contract, especially when fees, etc., are involved, and also that each party should understand and be understood to understand the nature of the proceedings at the time of the actual incident. In my case, I'd obviously not memorized the contract or had access to it or had the nature of the proceedings explained to me before they took action. That's why I'm so dubious of their entitlement to 90 of my savings. And I would say that, yeah, of course you have the right to review your contract before you make a move. But I understand his point that while the contract was out of his physical ability to uh, to grab, mm-hmm. that's why it's your responsibility to point that out. Hey, I'm calling because my door is locked. Before you send somebody over here, what's this going to cost me? That's all you have to do. What What is our agreement? I'm asking you now on the phone. That's your contract review. It's your your opportunity was right when you connected to the, the person on the other end of the management company to say, hey, I'm one of your tenants. I can't access my, uh, my lease right now. What's it cost to have somebody come out and open up my door? Oh, well, that's $90. Oh, you know what? I'll call a locksmith. Thank you. Click. Because you, you, you aren't being held hostage in this situation. And that's one of the other points I think he gets to here in a moment. Uh, the idea that he couldn't do anything else. I don't think that's true. You can call a locksmith. 
Right. Well, he, he sounded like a young guy. He didn't also yeah. under, probably didn't understand that uh, somebody would have could have opened the car too, where his keys were. Mm, and, there's that too. And, yeah. And, and if you had the Slim Jim, if you had AAA or your mom's AAA or mm. something like that, somebody would have come out there, you know, included in the membership. Right. So we'll get to there that. are a lot of options. We'll get to his other point here in a moment. 800-259-9231. And hey, live and learn. I mean, we get to where we are yeah. by making mistakes. Sure. There's more coming this up is here. a small one. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Bring up what you want. It's Free Talk Live. Have you been thinking about starting a website? I'm going to tell you about a great offer from HostGator. HostGator is a worldwide leader for web hosting, and they make it easy to get your own .com domain name. You create your very own website with their free site builder tools and templates. Use the coupon code FTL, that's FTL is in Free Talk Live, and sign up at HostGator.com to receive your first month completely free. Whether you want a personal blog or a complete e-commerce business website, let the experts at HostGator.com host you. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want by dialing in toll-free at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features on the site, they're free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com, and our features include archives. So if you've missed a moment of the show you just need to click and download. They're right there on the front page of the website. Plus, you can go into our podcast and go all the way back to the beginning of 2009, free for you at freetalklive.com. It's like time travel. Take the startpage.com's seven-day challenge. For seven days, use startpage.com instead of your big brother search engine, and you'll experience and you can experience the difference. You'll get search results aggregated from 12 major search engines, but unlike your old search engine, you'll have complete privacy in your search, if you use the proxy link behind beneath each one of the search results, you'll have privacy on that website too. Uh, that's uh, proxy service is something you normally have to pay for um, on the internet, and Startpage.com provides it to you for free. Take their seven-day challenge today at Startpage.com. Well, all right, we continue here. I'm going to get back to the email in a moment, but we've got a call that's relevant uh, to what we've been discussing here, and that is sort of the idea of hidden charges. Uh, someone who claims to be a restaurateur is on the line here, Mark. Let's talk to Donald in Nebraska. Donald, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian Wayne and Mark. Yeah, how are you guys tonight? Hey, Donald, what's on your mind? Well, you're talking about customer service and uh, hidden charges and things like that. Mm-hmm. Numerous times uh, I've had people come in, you know, uh, they got a, a full-price pizza. I got a deal, I give them the deal. Why? Because if I give them the deal, they're going to come back and they're going to buy more food. Yep. I I entirely agree. If there's uh if for some reason they feel like the guy on the other side of the counter is out there swinging for them, then that's all it takes. I I think auto mechanics should take a uh, take a clue from that because um you know in in areas where people feel like they have an advocate inside the business that you've got guaranteed business. Absolutely. You, word of mouth travels farther than you would believe. You could uh, spend thousands of dollars on TV time. It's, yep. it's not even as powerful as word of mouth. Yep. And that that dollar that you take off their pizza, um, you know, it, it pays itself back, uh, you know, a hundredfold. It does. It does. And uh, I've been in the restaurant business for over 15, 20 years now, so... So then you would not be somebody who, when someone orders something unusual on their uh, their pie, will just hit them with an unspecified charge. You'll let them know? Oh, yeah. We let them know how much it is and right up front. 
What um now you know there's there's lots of different pies out there. What do you, what do you do to make your pie uh, better than everyone's else, everyone else's? Well, we're we're one of those uh, national pizza chains. I see. Well, there uh, you yeah. go. <laughs> <laughs> but, but but it does make a difference how you make it. Make it look good. Very good. Anything else you want to share tonight, Donald? No, that's it. I just keep going, guys, and uh, I listen to you every night. Are you uh, calling from Lincoln? Lincoln, Nebraska. Ah, very good. Yeah. Still on a pirate station out there. That's great. Are we? That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, now, um, is uh, now do you own one franchise of uh, one of these, um, or did you own several, or or what? Uh, I'm a, I'm just the RGM, and uh, I am part of a franchise. Yes. Gotcha. All right. All right, cool. I don't have any other questions. I thank you for the call <laughs> tonight. I appreciate hearing from you, and right. uh, thanks for supplying uh, food to uh, the people that are hungry. Yep. 1-800-259-9231. Uh, we love our pizza delivery list- listeners out there. <laughs> <laughs> pizza, pizza and uh, late night radio go together. Sure do. All right, we continue here, and uh, we can jump back here into the email and then get back to your phone calls. So the emailer, uh, Sam, he's concerned. He locked his keys in his car. He then could not get into his apartment because his keys were in the car, and so, therefore, he had to actually uh, call out the apartment management uh, folks to have them come out and get him into his apartment so he could get a spare key to get into the car to get his keys. And he's just bummed out about it because it ended up costing him 90 bucks. It was an yeah. after-hours thing, and uh, it's even though it's specified in his contract, he's still upset because he wasn't able to review the contract because it was locked in his house. And of course, as I pointed out, all you have to do is ask. Call up and then be the, let it be the first question. Hey, what's this going to cost? I don't recall what this what this costs. What is this going to cost? Now, this is something that you have no shame when it comes to. I have been uh, out with you, and you will ask no, no matter what you ask people. What's it? What is what does it cost? And I think that that um, that practice diminishes over time the um, the sort of uh, you know whatever embarrassment one might have over asking the price because you just always know well you're already embarrassed because you've locked your keys in your car (laughs) so uh number two he says this is actually my main problem with the whole rotten situation which i was unable to get across on the show extortion even though my apartment room itself is owned by the landlord company and they have a right as property owners to exclude me the renter from the apartment under certain contractual circumstances the fact of the matter is that my private property is still contained within that room, and for them to charge me a fee for access to my private property is a form of extortion. Let's say, hypothetically, that I had been aware of the unlocking fee under my contract and chose not to request that company unlock the room because I was too poor or whatever to afford the fee. Would the landlord company still have a right to deny me access to yes. my own private property? And here's the reason. The landlord company provided you with a key. If you lost your key, would you expect the landlord company to provide you with a brand shiny new one without any kind of charge? That's ridiculous. They provided you with a key. You have access. You locked that key in your car. I mean, the, they're not the, responsible for your mistakes. They're not. And 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 the same the same argument could be made because essentially what the argument is is that the landlord company is responsible for letting you in your house the moment you want to be let in your house. Why don't they have a doorman service mm-hmm. for you? I mean, why didn't why did you have to wait the half hour or forty five minutes for these people to right. come out? Well, because that's a reasonable amount of time for it would um for you know somebody to to show circumstances, up. Sure. He says, I think the answer is clearly no, because this would be extortion under threat of theft. That's why I believe that this particular aforementioned contract clause is, in at least part, fraudulent and unethical. I have a right to my property. Fees and contracts be damned. 
I agree with you do, and you can get in your property as soon as you unlock your car, which you locked your keys into, right. um, and where your key is to the apartment. They the aren't keeping you out. Right. The, the landlord isn't responsible for paving the way for you to get there. If you're in Canada, they don't have to send a Lear jet to get you to bring you to your stuff. So, no, yeah. um, that I, 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 you're... Your your thinking's twisted on that one. Yeah, he also has Sam. other options. He could have called AAA. <clears throat> he could have called sure. uh, a locksmith, like you were saying. So that wasn't his only option for getting in his car. But it was the option he uh, was, which which felt the most immediately apparent to him. It's mm-hmm. the option he went with, and now he's got buyer's remorse as a result of not doing his due diligence and thinking about. He was about, busy, you know, like uh, things were happening quickly. He made the decision that he made, and you know that, well, that's fine. I don't know fine. how quickly things were happening. You're locked out of your car. There's not much else you can do. A lot of times uh, you want to get back to right. You want to get back as in. usual. Sure. So so he was making quick decisions when he could have. You know, called up a friend and said, hey, my keys are locked in my car. What would you do? Or, you know, try Mom to- is a good person to ask in these circumstances. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, the, you had Bad. other options. I mean, you could have broken your car window if you really wanted to. Then you'd have had to pay a few hundred bucks to replace the car window. So, I mean, mm-hmm. some of the options would have been more expensive. Some of them might have been cheaper. I don't know what a locksmith will charge you to come out uh, on a short notice call and uh, create a key for you, but it's probably less than 90 bucks. Yep. Or, or maybe it's more than 90 bucks. I don't know. And another uh, another um, you know idea is to leave a, a key at a friend's house so that they can help sure. you get in if you need to. Yeah. Or next. Yeah, right. Somebody you trust. Exactly. Yep. Uh, so yeah, it's not extortion at all. I mean, if you had, for instance, just not wanted to, uh, if you, if you'd wanted to wait and get your stuff back, you could have said, well, I think this is extortion. You're trying to take $90 from me, so I'm canceling my lease. Okay. Well then you lose your uh, security deposit, but they'll probably go ahead and unlock the door for you at that point and take the, the money out of your security deposit. So you wouldn't have to pay the 90 bucks. You could then get your stuff back and you could leave the apartment building. But you signed the agreement saying that you agreed to these terms. If you didn't like it then, you should have negotiated it. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Not that they would have moved on their position. More coming up. This is Free Talk Live. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You're invited to bring up whatever you want. Dial in, toll free. Number brought to you by SACL CAI. It's 800-259-9231. SACL CAI, toll free line 1-800-259-9231. And tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are totally free, so enjoy those, including our bulletin board system with over 500,000 posts. There's a lot to talk about there. Serious issues. Fun stuff. You'll find it all at bbs.freetalklive.com. Word of warning, it is a virtually unmoderated forum, so keep that in mind. bbs.freetalklive.com. Mark, tell me about the Institute for Humane Studies. They have a summer seminar program that is going on, well, accepting applications right now. And there are seminars on 11 different topics all over the United States and major cities spanning the country. And... They'll provide meals and housing while you're attending the seminar. It's all you have to do is be of the seminar age, you know, somewhere uh, around college age, whether just going in, just coming out, or right in the smack dab in the middle of it, and go to 
libertarianseminars.com. That's uh, the deadline is March the 31st for libertarianseminars.com. We continue with your phone calls going over across the pond to the UK where Najib is on the line. Najib, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian Wayne and Mark. Yes, hi Wayne, hi Mark. Um, I would just uh, like to uh, thank you first of all for your wonderful uh, program and uh, I'm, I'm a huge fan. Uh, I used to live in the US before moving to the United Kingdom. And I've always, uh, I've always been a fan of uh, Present Planet TV and Infowars, and I really want to thank you. We're not affiliated with those websites. Uh, in addition to those websites, I'm you know, a huge fan as well. Uh, I'm always like for free information, and uh, I always uh, share, uh, I would like to share accurate resources with, uh, with everybody here. And uh, certainly, I mean, your show is an amazing show. So what is on um, your mind tonight? I would like, uh, I'll just, uh, you know, reading, um, reading up on the news every day, uh, uh, still uh, trying to uh, keep in touch with the U.S. and, uh, you know, my, uh, my previous home before moving to the U.K. I'm, I was born and raised in the Middle East, and uh, my family had to move, and, uh, you know, we first went to the U.S., and we lived there for a while, and uh, because, uh, because of the war in the Middle East, and we came from Lebanon. And uh, we had the devastating experience with Israel, and uh, you know, it always uh, I, I always had the sense of awareness. Like I had to have a sense of awareness and uh, uh, and what's going on in politics. And uh, you know, uh, I love the U.S. And uh, every day I'm trying to uh, uh, you know try to keep up with the news over there. And I'm really saddened with um, <clears throat> what happened with the, uh, Congressman Kucinich. And uh, you know, um, you mean uh, where he decided he was going to vote for the healthcare thing? Yes. yes, I mean, uh, I think there should be more. Uh, it should receive much more media attention, and uh, uh, because it's really dangerous what's uh, what's going on, and this whole crisis has got the world confused, and uh, um, nobody's nobody's even politically savvy these days. I mean, uh, uh, there uh, these things are these are actually they could be possibly crimes happening, and they should receive a lot more media attention. How do and, you? Th- uh, how do you think they got to Sorry. Kucinich on this, on this, him flipping his, his potential vote on this health care bill? I mean, if you're on Air Force One, uh, the Godfather can make an offer you can't refuse. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so I think, I think this should be a heated issue right now, and it should be studied. I mean, it's kept a secret not only from maybe the other uh, Congress, but certainly from the American people. And uh, the American people deserve to know the truth. Well, I know that people are a lot of people are pretty upset about the uh, the healthcare issue, and and there are even some people are even talking about disobeying and not going along with it. And as far as I'm concerned, that's great news. I just wish that more people would be willing to disobey on more issues. It's a shame this is the Absolutely. only one that's coming in the, to this country. I think you see so. a lot more of that now, and luckily. Because this health care issue is very, very contentious. I'm just really surprised because out of all the Democrats, I think that Kucinich is probably the most principled one, even though we might not agree with his principles. Yeah. And to have him, him say he's for it, even though he says he actually doesn't like the bill, but he's going to vote for it because he said when, when you get a ride with the president, something like you have to listen. I don't remember it. It's something like that. It just didn't seem right to me. And uh, by the way, I mean, the same people who are... Um, who are causing this mess as we speak uh, are the same people who have, uh, you know, led the U.S. and a lot of other allies into this uh, 
uh, senseless wars uh, in, in Afghanistan and in, in Iraq. And now we're talking about another one, Iran. Iran. And, uh, yeah, it's crazy. And, you know, these, these, these guys are really greedy, whoever they are. I don't know. Like, I, I hate to think of it as a, as a conspiracy or something, but there definitely are a group of greedy people who really... Yeah. There are um, certainly people in search of power who are willing to do whatever it takes to aggregate themselves more power. Yeah, and, it would be hard to imagine that the people that make, uh, make the things in the world that go kaboom um, aren't, you know, giving money to uh, campaigns and hoping that uh, the lawmakers make more situations where they need things that go kaboom i mean that that's hard to believe and hey, it, it destroys wealth too because when you blow things up then you have to pay to rebuild them on yeah, top of all yeah, that indeed so najib any other thoughts and, for us tonight uh, just uh, yeah and just my last thought here is that it's important that we all look at uh, the social aspect i mean uh, there's a message when everybody's watching this uh, you know on the six o'clock news or whatever i mean it's also kind of telling people in a way that uh, you know the system will reward you if you if you do the wrong thing so uh, it's it's also an important thing that we should think about with the future generations and uh, and you know uh, they uh, if we're talking about uh, freedom and freedom depends uh, uh, you know depends on choice I mean if you have if you have choice to begin with and if people are just guided by these um, by these crazy thoughts I mean it's it has very dangerous repercussions in the future. Sajib, I want to thank so, you for the thank you for the time taking the time to call in tonight from across the pond there thanks for the call at eight hundred two five nine. 9231, that's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Of course, I completely agree mm-hmm. uh, with uh, reaching out, especially to young people and uh, getting them on board with the ideas of liberty. I was just out at the, the local high school today, as a matter of fact, holding up a uh, freekeen.com banner with uh, <laughs> one of my associates, other activists here in town. And uh, it's just a great, effective way to get uh, get people's eyeballs on your message. I mean, we're standing out front of the high school when they get out of school. So it's really like a 15-minute window uh, where we just... It's a 15-minute activism. You stand there for 15 minutes, you smile, you wave, you hold the banner up, and uh, and then you go home uh, after all the buses are gone. And you get a whole bunch of... What are the kids' of reactions? Very, I would say, uh, mixed. I mean, of course, you're dealing with high school kids, so inevitably yeah. you're going to get the angry, uh, testosterone-fueled uh, teenage boys that are flipping you with the bird. Uh, we got probably <laughs> about three birds today. Uh-huh. That's not bad. Uh, but nobody yelled... The, normally you get a, you're a fag! Uh, you get somebody <laughs> yelling at that at you. Uh, <laughs> As if they know what a fag really is. Well, well I'm, I suppose they have some idea. <laughs> so, uh, you, normally you get one of those, but we didn't get one of those today and uh, we got a bunch of uh, waves and peace signs and and thumbs up so i have more th- more positive responses than uh, the angry teen negative any responses. free candy or pizza involved no that's that's a little creepy free candy <laughs> yeah. free candy all right so 800 the, the high school kids are bigger than you are Ian. <laughs> Some. most of them are yeah, yeah. You can take control of the airwaves, but it's very important to reach out to young people because, in fact, we've actually got a a young lady on the high school campus recently who went into the library and put some flyers in books in the library to promote uh, the things that we're doing here. And, of course, we've got the 420 celebrations, which attracts a younger crowd uh, where people are are smoking cannabis on a daily basis in downtown Keene. We're talking about mostly people that are late high school, early 20s, that age range. So that, I think, does something to uh, to reach out to these folks. And these are the people that are going to be the decision makers down the line. These are the people that are going to grow up and many of them are going to stay in this area. You know, it's I think it's far more effective to reach out. And I'm not just talking about here in New Hampshire, just in general. 
for you, if you're reaching out to young people, it makes more sense to me to reach out to high schoolers than to college kids mm-hmm. because college kids are more transient. They're going to come in. They're going to leave a lot of them. They're coming from outer, uh, outside of the area, and most of them are likely going to go somewhere else once they're done with college. Not that it's a total waste of time because obviously you want Liberty people everywhere, but uh, if you're focusing on a certain geographic area, targeting the high school students, I think, makes the most sense. Not to say that you should exclude anybody. Yeah, you know, you I, it, it also it's it's more uh, bang for your buck because the ki- the kids are going to li- live longer than adults. That's true as well. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. But don't hold the message back from anybody, uh, just if you have to choose. More coming up. This is Free Talk Live. On Free Talk Live, we talk about investing in gold and silver as a hedge against inflation, investment, and barter currency. We've teamed up with Midas Resources to offer you some great rates on some hand-picked gold and silver pieces. U.S. Eagles, British Sovereigns, 20 Francs, Lakota Nation Silver Rounds, Montana Silver Reserves, and Walking Liberty Halves. Call 877-857-9938 or go to gold.freetalklive.com. The shipping is the same for one as it is for 20, so try to get as many as you can all at once. Gold.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want by dialing in toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 800-259-9231 tonight. It's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. You can listen in via our live streams, broadband, and dial-up versions. Plus, we got our webcam, which has just been upgraded. It's now operating at 480 lines of resolution as opposed to 240, so twice the clarity. Uh, You can go to listen.freetalklive.com, and you can get our listen lines as well, which allow you to call in with any phone that can dial long distance and listen 24 hours a day if you like uh, over at listen.freetalklive.com. It's all free for you. Now then, Mark, uh, the story is out of the Heritage Foundation, which is one of the two organizations that on a yearly basis comes out with... The Heritage Foundation calls it the Economic Freedom of the World, I believe, uh, report. Yeah, I, well, what it's, it's at heritage.org, um, and it's uh, this one says 2010 Index of Economic Freedom. Ah, and then there's also Free the World, I believe, .org that yeah. comes out with another Economic Freedom Index. Mm-hmm. So they don't always rank the countries in exactly the same order, but one thing that's consistent between the two rankings is that the United States is never number one. That's correct. And generally, um, the United States is going down rather than up Mm. as far as its score. Sometimes countries will go down faster or up faster, um, you know, for whatever reason. But generally, the United States is uh, seems to be moving in a downward uh, direction. Maybe that's just my perception. I haven't looked at them. uh, You know, I, I haven't looked entirely, but that's certainly the case this year. So what's the news? Well, do you want to – I've got the list here. Do you want me to read the list and sort of uh, we can talk about who's where and that kind of thing? Or do you want me to read um, you know, sort of the United States and what they have to say about it? Let's see what they have to say about the U.S. And, and then where was it last year? Where is it this year? Um, well, Because uh, I know Hong Kong's number one. I mean Hong Kong just yeah. knocks it out of the park. You're right. Uh, Hong Kong's number one by like three points. The United States economic freedom score is 78, making its economy the eighth freest – in 2010. Now remember, we're talking just economic freedom. We're not talking about social freedoms, and yes. that's why Singapore is number two on the list. Even though they're very repressive socially, economically, they're pretty free. Yep. Um, its score is 2.7 uh, points lower than it was last year. Uh-oh. And reflecting notable decreases in financial freedom, monetary freedom, 
property rights. Monetary mm. freedom means they printed a whole bunch of money yeah. in 2009. Uh, property rights. The United States has fallen to the second place out of the three countries in North America. Right. And by the way, this isn't a uh, this isn't like an anti-Democrat thing. Even though the Heritage Foundation is a conservative think tank, they the U.S. has been ranked low on this list for the, as long as we've been talking about it, was it on, for years. Uh, it was at number 13 when uh, during Bush, the Bush administration there for a while. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, anyway, yeah, the um, th- but I, what I find most disturbing about this is Canada moved above the United States huh. in economic freedom. Mm. I consider Canada to be a, to be a socialist. socialist place. Well, here's another statistic from there that's really interesting too. During 2009, the index of dependence on government in the United States has increased, while the number of taxpayers paying into it declined. The oh, wow, I didn't know there was an index of dependence on government. Is that from the same study? It's no, it's from the Heritage Foundation. Oh, but so it's they a, have it's a different, different study. index. Gotcha. It's a different index, but if you actually overlay those two, you can see there's a bad trend happening here. Yeah. Apparently, the uh, trade freedom and uh, freedom from corruption has gone up in the United States, is what they're claiming. Yeah, which is not right. Yeah. The U.S. government's interventionist responses to the fiscal and economic crisis that began in 2008 have significantly undermined economic freedom and long-term prospects for economic growth. Economic freedom has declined in seven of the ten categories measured in the index. Uh-oh. Uncertainties caused by ongoing regulatory changes and political, uh, politically influenced oh stimulus spending. Just as an aside, speaking of regulatory changes, I saw a story recently about the new toy regulations. We mm-hmm. talked about them before they went into effect, and I believe they have now they have now gone into effect. Remember when we discussed this uh, like yeah. uh, last year? They essentially the federal government has made it so that all new toys. And all toys, period, have to be tested for lead, amongst other a couple other things, and uh, at a cost of thousands of dollars per toy. And of course, this is no big deal for Mattel or Hasbro. Uh, in because fact, they, they produce in favor they of produce it. a great deal, a whole bunch of each individual toy. Right. But if you're a guy who carves uh, ducks out of wood, you um, have to test your duck. Yeah. Even if you're only going to carve three of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's crazy. The the this new regulation is so crazy that Goodwill and the Salvation Army and other thrift stores have started throwing out literally millions, hundreds of millions of dollars worth of toys, of children's toys, baby clothes, things like just old products that there's no way they could te- afford to test them because they're one-offs. They were given to them. They were donated by people. They're having garage sales and things like that. And Goodwill basically has to tell folks, sorry, we can't take this. If it wasn't manufactured after this piece of legislation passed here in January of 2010, uh, if it wasn't manufactured at that point in time p- 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 beyond and it has its certificate of uh, lead freedom or whatever, mm-hmm. then we can't take it. So pretty much every single product that has been on the shelves of a Goodwill or a Salvation Army that poor people could come into and buy, you know, get stuff for their kids for cheap, mm-hmm. it's all gone. Mm-hmm. It's gone now. If you're poor in America, you've got to go to Walmart or you've got to go to the toy store and pay 20 times more than you would otherwise have to pay to get toys for your kids. And I mean, lo- it clothes. Yeah. That's gone, too. Yeah. And a lot of those older toys that were made 20 years ago were made better than the ones today. Sure, there's and that. they're actually less likely to have lead in them when they were made back then than now. But you have to test it, Wayne. Otherwise, you can't sell it. I, just, just as I mean, you mentioned regulations that have happened within the last year, that's one, and that's a, that is so devastating. I mean, the effect. The effects of that one piece of legislation are going to put 
individual toy manufacturers, mom and pop operations out of business, and it's it's hurting poor people because they can't get their hands on used toys. Yet it's another, crazy. Yet another reason why we don't really have a prayer of an economic recovery until we can get out from under all these regulations Absolutely. and all this baloney. Well, besides regulatory changes, politically influenced stimulus spending have, has discouraged entrepreneurship and job creation, slowing recovery. Mm. Leadership in free trade has been undercut by buy American provisions and stimulus legislation and failure. Yeah, it's to hard pursue, to compete when your competitors are being backed up by the state. Uh, failure to pursue previously agreed free trade agreements with Panama, Colombia, South Korea. Tax rates are increasingly uncompetitive, and massive stimulus spending is creating unprecedented deficits. Bailouts of financial and automotive firms have generated concerns about property rights. So that's what the uh, the Heritage Foundation, a conservative think tank, has to say about freedom in the United States. So number eight is where the U.S. is at on their charts. Yeah, and what, what, who's one through uh, one through seven? I'll tell you that, but um, it's it's kind of interesting. They have their chart broken down into sections Mm -hmm. essentially uh, 100 through 80 and nobody's at 90 and above even hong kong isn't at 90 and above right okay so um you know nobody's free economically but they um the highest ranked one is 89.7 hong kong so um the ones that are in the 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 free category 100 through 80 that's the dark green uh here are canada through hong kong seven through one. So Canada being number seven. Right. The United States makes it into the mostly free category. Hmm. It's not even by a hair. It's by two full two full rating points, percentage points. Right. And I th- it seems to take quite a bit to get a percentage point up at this level of the and scale. We lost, um, the United States lost 2.7 points this last, in mm-hmm. this year. So the United States went from free to mostly free yeah. in this last year. That's really sad and sick and disgusting. Now, of course, to be fair, uh, we are talking about the entirety of the United States. It might be a little more interesting to break it down and see New Hampshire compared to California. Well, the Mercatus to- Center um, rated uh, the freest states and found that New Hampshire was basically in a dead heat tie with uh, South Dakota mm-hmm. and was it Colorado mm-hmm. was the other one? There I think were, so. There were, three, so. there were three states that were basically in a, in a dead heat. Um, if for a tie in New Hampshire, you know, got yeah. the just got the the hair's breadth over the other ones. So I I don't know where New Hampshire would compare to Hong Kong or Singapore or any of these. But number one, uh, the 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 Asian tiger, Hong Kong, always. Right. I thought we were going from seven down. Well, I, I haven't given one through seven yet. I thought you gave seven as canon, and we're going to go down the list. But anyway, go ahead. I'd like to give one through seven. Okay, go. Okay, Hong Kong number one, Singapore number two. Always these yep. two. Uh, Singapore hasn't changed the long, as long as I've looked at it. Right. One should make the caveat that if you uh, you know spit your gum on the sidewalk in Singapore, they'll beat you with a stick. Yeah. Uh, number three, Australia. Mm. I'd like everyone to listen to this list and think of how many of these countries that you consider to be socialist. Australia, New Zealand, New Zealand, no four. constitution. Yeah. Um, New Zealand really can't be put into that category as socialist because they don't have a constitution, and, and so they can their government can change overnight. Well, socialism is well, right, but the, the the policies are what would be socialist, not necessarily the constitution. Mm-hmm. Anyway, go on. Um, Ireland, number five, mm-hmm. even though they're in the economic downturn right now, and Switzerland, number six, Canada, of course, number seven, and the United States, number eight. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. You can take control of the airwaves as we continue on here. Out number three is coming up. Plenty of time for your calls about whatever you want. This is Free Talk Live. How long can you hold your breath? 
Not long. After air, water is the most critical factor for life. There are dozens of toxic substances in tap water, even pharmaceutical drugs that city processing can't remove. Sadly, most bottled water isn't much better. The chemicals in the bottles themselves are a serious health concern and a huge environmental problem. Filtering your own drinking water is the logical answer. You'll have a much better quality of water and save a bunch of money, too. Aquasana filters are thorough and more affordable per gallon than even pitcher-type filters. Aquasana is consistently voted the best choice by Consumers Digest. The filters are easy to use and install. Call 866-NO-BOTTLE to order or link online through freetalklive.com. If you'd like a 20% discount, and who wouldn't, when ordering online, use the discount code FTL. Again, that's FTL. Or call toll-free 866-NO-BOTTLE and tell them we sent you to get a great discount on all Aquasana products. Drink smart. 1-866-NO-BOTTLE. This is Free Talk Live. We are launching into the third hour of the program, inviting you to take control of the airwaves and bring up whatever you want at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. And tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Wayne is with us tonight here, and you've got a story from... Of all places, Time Magazine, which uh, you're, what you're telling me is, is you're a little surprised it's even appearing in Time Magazine. You want to yeah, tell us about it? Yeah, Lee? there's a very libertarian-oriented or, article called The Dropout Economy from Time.com. We were just talking during the break about school and how you were thinking, Wayne, as a, as a father, that maybe this college thing isn't all it's cracked up to be, especially today. And I was pointing out that I wish I could have my two years back. I just didn't feel like it was really worth my while. And I didn't spend that much. Mm-hmm. Well, I remember when I first started going to college, it was just before the student loan program started, the federal student loan program, and I went to a rather expensive private university at the time. It was it was 3360 tuition for my first year of college. Oh, that's cheap. And yeah. yeah, but I could have gone to a state school for about 1200 just to give you an idea of what mm-hmm. the price difference difference was. Man. So Wait, what year was that? 1955? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it was in the 70s, that's all I'll say. But um the, the fact is college has just it just jumping and jumping in price. A lot yeah. of universities are raising their prices. I was listening on NPR, some of as much as 30%, but, but in you, one year. You're right, but you know in, in my college years uh, my freshman year, there was no student loan program. Sophomore year is when it started under Jimmy Carter. By the time I was a senior, that same college tuition was 8200 a year. Wow. So when all that money went flowing into the college system, prices rose. And so By more than 100%. The whole, and the whole idea of the, of the college loans originally was to make them more affordable for people, but all it did was put students in debt. Mm-hmm. Because before that, even with a job I was working through the summer, I could pr- almost pay for my own education. There, there are so many stories, uh, whenever we talk about the issue of, of college and whether it's worth it or not, you, it's so easy to find people with these, these just horror stories of, yeah, I went into college thinking it'd be great, and uh, now I'm working at, as a waiter, and I, I don't, you know, I'm not doing anything with the degree, and I've got $100,000 in debt to pay off. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, and some people, and you have to wonder to some extent... Uh, you know, in the field that I went into, was it a good idea to get a degree at all? And, um, you Not know, did, me. did I need this? I, I just, you know, some people still do need to have a college degree for the field they're going into, mm-hmm. but a lot of people, not so much. Exactly. Anyway, that's not necessarily the, the main focus of this story, right, Wayne? What, what's right. going on? It's called the dropout economy. It goes on. Middle class kids are taught from an early age that they should work hard and finish school. 
Yet three out of ten students dropped out of high school as recently as 2006, and less than a third of young people have finished college. Many economists attribute the sluggish wage growth in the U.S. to educational stagnation, which is one reason politicians of every stripe call for doubling or tripling the number of college graduates. But what if the millions millions of so-called dropouts are onto something? As conventional high schools and colleges prepare for the next generation of jobs that won't exist, we're on the cusp of a dropout revolution, one that will spark an era of experimentation and new ways to learn and new ways to live. It is important to keep in mind that behavior that seems irrational from the middle class perspective is perfectly rational in the face of strained circumstances. You know, just as, uh, as an aside, one thing you can pretty much count on is that colleges are not really experimenting in new, new ways to learn. No, they don't have to. Right. I mean, they're, uh, you know, and this is this, this is the way it's done. Right. This is another thing that the uh, the voucher people, the people that believe that the public educa- public school um, will get better if you um, if you just institute vouchers. You need to take a look at college, uh, college education in the United States, because that's essentially what it is. The government will pay for at least a good portion of your education and what you you'll get, which is. You know the socialist, uh, the socialist education that you get in college, and you get it at an extraordinarily high price. That's what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. Well, people who feel obsolete in today's information economy will be joined by millions more in the emerging post-information economy, in which routine professional work and even some high-end services will be more cheaply performed overseas or by machines. This doesn't mean that work will vanish. It just means, however, that it will take new and unfamiliar form. Look at the projections of fiscal doom emanating from the federal government and consider the possibility that things could prove both worse and better. Worse because the jobless recovery we all expect could be severe enough to starve the New Deal social programs on which we base our life plans. I don't know about you, but I'm not basing my life plans on social programs. Right. Some people are, though. Yeah. And too many people are, especially the elderly. Uh, Better because the millennial generation could prove to be more resilient and creative than its predecessors, abandoning old, familiar, and broken institutions in favor of new, strange, and flourishing ones. I think that's a fair thing to say. Mm -hmm. Imagine a future uh, in which millions of families live off the grid, powering their homes and vehicles with dirt-cheap, portable fuel cells. As uh, industrial agriculture sputters under the strain of spiraling costs of water, gasoline, and fertilizer, networks of farmers using sophisticated techniques that combine cutting-edge green technologies with ancient Mayan know-how build an alternative food distribution system. Faced with the burden of financing decades-long retirement of aging boomers, many of the young embrace a new underground economy, largely untaxed archipelago of communes, co-ops, kibbutzen, uh, that that passively resist the power of, of the granny state while building their own little utopias. Does that sound good to you, Ian? Yeah, I'm all in favor of that. Let's have it. Let's have it up here in uh, New Hampshire. Let's get that That's fuel right. cell thing going. Yes, rather than warehouse their children in factory schools invented to instill obedience. Absolutely, in, in the that's future, what they are. In the uh, that you're the right, future. Wayne. I'm shocked to see something like that in Time Magazine. Yeah, I, I can I hardly too. believe it. Well, it's a, they've got a good writer on there. Uh, schools invented to instill obedience in, in the future mill workers of America, bourgeoisie rebels will educate their kids in virtual schools tailored to different learning styles. Whereas only 1.5 million children were homeschooled in 2007, we can expect the number to explode in future years as distant distance education blows past the traditional variety in cost and quality. Right, because who says... 
that in order to get educated, you have to ship your kids off to some sort of central location, even if we're just talking about within your town, and have them sit in a room, you know, in rows at desks and pay attention to the lecturer at the front of the room. Who right, says this, that? This makes me absolutely bananas. Um, this this idea, and this is public school, private school. It doesn't matter how much of the day goes into. Um, well, raise your hand to use the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, let's do this. You know, you got to do this. You got to do that. It's all rules, counting the the students. Um, you know how how much of the day, the day goes into educating all the other kids in the class that on something that your kid already has yeah. and would have. Oh, yeah. I mean, I I would suggest I would uh, go out on a limb here and suggest that school is basically just middle a middle class babysitting operation. <laughs> that um, if parents decided they wanted to educate their kids um, and. They could do it in the evening after school. Do you understand? Instead of the time spent in front of the television, that the two hour, the two hours spent with your kid after school would be more beneficial mm. to that child than what it is that they're in fact learning. Because I don't, I think that. Uh, but the problem with that is then they're essentially just sitting there learning nothing. So yeah, rather than having <laughs> rather than having the brakes uh, you know put on their learning, they're essentially you know they're, they're stuck there entirely. So well, it's, you can get them out. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, right. a, a parent out. has to make that decision. I'm just talking about the the two working parent model and mm-hmm. how one would handle that. I think um, you know I think a kid of eighth uh, you know seventh or eighth grade age could probably educate themselves with a parent yeah. uh, that's working or, or something like that and. And they could come home and educate them in the evening. But when you're talking about kids who are in grades one through six, you can't really leave, you can't really leave a kindergartner alone home with a book of matches, right? No. I mean, that's a bad idea. So you need to stay home. Somebody needs to stay home with them. I th- I think there's a lot of value to that, and that's the deal I made originally with my wife. Um, you know, before we even discussed having a kid, is look, if we do have a kid, this is how I want them educated because I think this is the best way. And it's not that easy to do nowadays because starting in the 70s, when they really started to debase the money after Nixon took us off the gold standard. The first thing that people started to do to keep up their living standard was to have two people go out and work sure. and to keep up with the Joneses, of course. But today you can still do it if you have the right career or maybe you and your, your spouse can both work three days a week mm-hmm. apiece. You can still arrange it so one of you is always with your kids and you can educate them and And, and it's also them. about lim- living simply. It's not how much you make. It's how much you spend. You can abs- – you know, the average – it can be done, um, you know, if, if the, the, the wife wants to stay home generally. That's the one that uh, that stays home. It doesn't always have to be that way. But a husband can get a job and make that happen. Um, he may have to work a little longer, a little harder, but it can happen. We continue this conversation here in moments. Would love your input at 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. Are you moving to New Hampshire for the Free State Project? Maybe you are already here and need to find a place to call your own. Mark Warden, the Porcupine Realtor, will help you find the perfect property. Do you want a home with 50 acres of land? How about an income-producing building? Perhaps a cabin on a lake or a condo in an urban area? Invest in liberty and property. Contact Mark Warden, Porcupine Realtor. See his banner ad at freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves and dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 800-259-9231. 800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are free, so enjoy those on us. 
And those features, by the way, do include our bulletin board system and our webcam and our archives. We give it all away. Those other talk show those other talk show hosts charge you for their websites at freetalklive.com. So enjoy all those features for free. Jurisdictionary, Mark, what is it? Well, it's a program that helps the average person do pro se defense uh, in 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 court, and uh, it's it, the 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 whole package, which uh, includes a five hour video seminar, two and a half hour audio classroom on two CDs that you can play in your car or in your audio CD, and fifteen in depth restaurant reference tutorials. Um, it, you get all of that for two hundred and fifty bucks. You can take anything to court. You can have confidence um, in when you do it, and you can get all that by going to jurisdictionary.com. All right, 800-259-9231. We're sharing a story from Time Magazine here. I want to take a break. Uh, we're going to come back to it because Christy is on the line, and it's just kind of talking about uh, some ideas that of things that could happen in the future considering some of the changes that the economy and uh, the educational world is going through. And we were talking about uh, educational alternatives and things like that, alternatives from, uh, besides this one-size-fits-all government system that is, is forced upon us, us all. Let's go to Christy listening to WVTS in Charleston. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Christy. Oh, hi. Thank you for taking my call. You're hi. welcome, Christy. What's um, on your mind tonight? Well, I just wanted to call in. I just hear you all from time to time on the radio because I keep the talk radio on a lot. And I'm always so happy to hear you talk so positively about homeschooling. We are a homeschool family. We love it. Everything you ever say about it is completely true. It takes very little time. Um, It's very easy to uh, live a simpler lifestyle. There's no reason for people to to have to work both uh, for mom and dad to be gone all day. It's just that's bad for the family in general. Um, The woman usually winds up spending most of her money that she makes anyway on things that, that cost to work. Um, I still work. I, I'm getting ready to work right now, but uh, we're self-employed, and we just work around each other's schedule uh, so we can be home with the kids. And mm-hmm. we're just thrilled with the whole lifestyle of uh, homeschooling. Once you teach your kids to read, they can teach themselves anything they want to. You know, we focus on the basics. I want my kids to be able to read well, write well, uh, be able to, to do math well. You know, those are the basics, mm-hmm. but it, it's their life for them to be able to learn whatever they want to. And, I mean, I could talk to you about hours about this subject. I'm passionate about homeschooling, and I'm just tickled that you guys are always pushing it on radio. And uh, in case you've not heard of it, there's a website called DeliberateDumbingDown.com, hmm. which has an excellent free ebook all about how the public school system has been used to purposely dumb down children. Huh, I <laughs> wonder, is that, is that tied in with John Taylor Gatto at all? Because it sounds like something he would... Um, it's not his book. It's I, I, it's about a lady, and I, I'm afraid I do not have her name memorized. But the website deliberatedumbingdown.com, and it has the link to the free ebook. You can save it, read it right there. Hmm, it, cool. It's just all kinds of um, uh, in, information just through the years, you know, from a hundred years back. Um, and another thing, uh, since since I have you on the line, hmm. um, I, I'm really active in a uh, issue for parental rights that we can raise our children as we choose, free from government intrusion. Wait, wouldn't the that be nice? Really, yes. Well, <laughs> I want to encourage everybody to please visit parentalrights.org, sign an online petition to uh, support the Parental Rights Amendment, which would secure our freedom to raise our kids how we want to. There, there's some serious threats against our freedoms to, to, to raise our kids however we choose, what medical, religious training, uh, education, um, discipline, no matter what. The United Nations <laughs> wants to take control of our kids 
Uh, we're the last nation to sign this horrendous Convention on the Rights of the Child Treaty. If we sign, it, it, it gives our control to the United Nations. It's very, very mm-hmm. serious no matter well, what. Well, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't sign that. <laughs> right. Orwellian. When you, when you say we, you must mean the, uh, the the U.S. federal government. we got some bad connection oh, yes, here. we got to yes. let you go. But thank you so much for the call. appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. By the way, Ian, I, w- I was going to tell you this or ask you this. Have you ever noticed that the things in life that you've taught yourself are the ones that you're the best at? You oh, know, yeah, sure. It, it's absolutely true. The things that you're passionate about learning are so important. I mean, you know, those those are the those are the things you retain. And if you think about the you know the crap that was shoved down your throat, you don't even remember all of it um, anyway. You know, the things that you had to memorize. No, tell me the order of the planets. Oh, I can do that. Really? I couldn't. Absolutely, I could do that. Um, I but I I'm I'm kind of good with lists. I'm just that kind of guy. I mean, you know, I, see. I can name the helping verbs and the conjunctions and the, mm-hmm. those kind of things. I I like lists, but I can name all the seven dwarves. I can name all fifty states. Likely, I can get most of their capitals. I just like that stuff. Hmm. So, um, you know, dork. The, <laughs> I'm a dork. There's you a term are calling for you. Me a dork. <laughs> so, but I mean, you know, everybody's got their thing that their brain kind of gets into and mine likes lists um but you know it's the things that you teach yourself that are the ones that uh, that that you retain and the stuff that they force on you you don't yeah the basic stuff like she was saying reading writing r- arithmetic you need those things those are your tools once you have those tools everything else the whole world is your oyster it just it depends on what you want to explore right and i think with kids i've got my own i try to i try to expose them to as many different things as possible and see what they gravitate towards, and that's your, usually your best hope of of uh, fi- having the, helping them find what they're really good at that they love. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the, the the things you learn in history in school. Somehow, you know, history didn't didn't really float my boat then, but it does now. And um, you know, I've done so much more reading on history in the last decade than I ever did ever would have cared to do in in school. Oh, I hated it. I hated it as a, as a right. student. Right. I mean, it was just a, a bunch of memorizing stuff. I mean, some guy and I were talking online and uh, you know, he said something about World War 1. I. I went to the Wikipedia article and I re- and you know how exhaustive a Wikipedia article can be. I read the whole thing from front to you know, from bottom to top in the last couple of days. And so I, you know, I, mm-hmm. I, I feel like I've got a little bit of a grasp Every one of those sentences is, you know, <laughs> it's an entire an entire book in, in, you know, in in reality, you know, they just they just kind of gloss over it. But mm-hmm. I feel like I've got some understanding uh, about World War One. Right. But what they'll teach you in school is what year did it start? Right. You know? <laughs> and and really well, some things that, that they'll tell you is, uh, you know, the, the Germany attacked the United States with some bombing in uh, in New Jersey. Well, it turns out, uh, you know, from the Wikipedia article. Oh well, you know, it doesn't look like they actually ever proved that. Right. Um, it could have been anyone who did it. If I went to Toronto and I set off a bomb, should Canada attack the United States? Well, that's what they did. Uh, the United States certainly will attack another country based on someone setting off a bomb. Sure but will. I agree with you that uh, they shouldn't necessarily. So uh, the story is from Time Magazine. We're going to continue it uh, here in a moment. Of course, we'll also take your phone calls as well about what you want at 800-259-9231. A surprisingly liberty-suggestive s- story in uh, in Time Magazine from... Actually, this is the online version, so I wouldn't be surp- I-, I would be kind of surprised if this was in the print Oh, you don't think it. this appears in the actual magazine? I don't know. I, I'd, I'd be willing to bet they wouldn't put this article in the print version, but huh. I hope I'm wrong. 
All right, well, we'll, we'll uh, dig in a little deeper here in a few moments also. We'll take your phone calls. You can dial in about anything. Toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. This is Free Talk Live. We wouldn't be where we are without our amplifiers. Their $3 per month helps us spread Free Talk Live and gets them access to perks at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything by dialing in toll-free 800-259-9231. That's the single CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231 tonight. It is Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features there for free, including our webcam. Just today uh, upgraded the cam. Still the same cam. We just upgraded the quality level of the stream. You can see that and chat with some of our listeners over at cam.freetalklive.com. That's cam.freetalklive.com. I also made the chat window a little bit larger as well. Starting tomorrow night, Free Talk Live, well, you won't be able to watch us on the cam as of tomorrow night because uh, the cam's pretty much permanently here in our studio, and we're not going to be in the studio tomorrow night. Tomorrow we are going to be on location live from the New Hampshire Liberty Forum in Nashville, New Hampshire at the Crown Plaza Hotel. It's not too late to get involved, although the numbers... From what I understand, our record-setting, they've sold more tickets to this year's Liberty Forum than they had attending the entire forum last year. So, including the walk-ups, the people that didn't have tickets in advance last year, they've sold more than the total attendance already last year, and there's still going to be walk-ups this year. So, it's already a record-setting year here this year. Awesome. The Liberty Forum, which is great news. Of course, Free Talk Live broadcasting live the entire time. Looking forward to uh, seeing many of our listeners out there and hanging out with hundreds of like-minded, liberty-oriented people. It's a great time. Lots of uh, excellent speakers like Napolitano, uh, Judge Napolitano from Fox News. He is going to be there, uh, one of the keynote addresses. Also, um, uh, just a whole bunch of folks. You can go to freestateproject.org slash libertyforum to get the whole schedule and all the speakers and get all the details. Again, it's not too late. So if you're going to be up here in the New England area, come on by the uh, the Crown Plaza Hotel and say hi to Free Talk Live and meet up with, again, hundreds of like-minded, liberty-oriented people. It's a great excuse to come up here and visit New Hampshire during the wintertime. If you can believe mm. it, today it was 70 degrees here in Keene, New Hampshire. Did it get up to 70? I was uh, that's in what, the 60s. That's I saw what Luther said. It was 65 when I was out and about today. I mean, it was amazing. Beautiful. It, it's, you, you really can't beat the, the weather that's going on. So hopefully it'll keep up for the uh, the weekend and we'll have a nice sunny, wintry, not really wintry week here yeah, in spring. New Hampshire. Spring week. Yeah, it's uh, spring. Spring Pretty is much. sprunging, um, no doubt. But uh, yeah, the like leaves aren't here yet. The giant, leaves. ugly piles of snow to go away. One, one thing that happens in New England a lot is it teases you this time of year, and then all of a sudden you'll get a snowstorm. Yeah, yep. and, and then oh, you know it won't last though. The, the, whatever late March snow you get will mar- melt quickly, yep. and then you're right into spring in April. I almost feel like having Liberty Forum in uh, late March is uh, false advertising. You know, because the idea is, is, you know, and it's a I winter think, event. Yeah, I think people should uh, should be able to see the winter in New Hampshire and see, you know, this is the worst that New Hampshire's got to offer. Here you go. It's middle of March or middle of February. Excuse me. Right. Well, we uh, let's continue here. The dropout economy from Time Magazine, and then we'll get back to your uh, your phone calls here. But I want to make sure we get through the rest of the ideas in this story. So, Wayne, would you uh, pick up where we left off? Sure. 
The cultural battles lines of our time with red America pitted against blue will be scrambled as Buddhist vegan militia vegan. members, vegan rather, vegan militia members and evangelical anarchist squatters trade tips on how to build self-sufficient vertical farms from scrap heap materials. To I think that's going to be going on at the Liberty Forum in the Alternatives <laughs> yes. Expo. Yes. It absolutely is going to We already know a lot of people like that. Uh, to avoid the tax You can man, find them at the Liberty Forum. Come yeah. on down. And, and Porkfest, too. To avoid the tax man, dozens, if not hundreds, of strongly encrypted digital currencies and barter schemes will crop up. Leaving an People under- are already talking about alternative currencies and starting their own. And, of course, there's some that already exist. <laughs> leaving an under-resourced IRS to play whack-a-mole with savvy libertarian hacktivists. Work and life will be remixed as old-style jobs with long commutes and long hours spent staring at blinking computer screens vanish thanks to ever-increasing productivity levels. New jobs that we can scarcely imagine will take their place, only they'll tend to be home-based, thus restoring life to bedroom suburbs that today are ghost towns from 9 to 5. Private homes will increasingly give way to co-housing communities in which singles and nuclear families will build makeshift kinship networks in shared kitchens and common areas and on neighborhood watch duty. Gated communities will grow larger and more elaborate, effectively seceding from their municipalities and pursuing their own visions of the good life. Hooray! More secession! (laughs) I knew you'd like that one too, Ian. Whether this future sounds like a nightmare or a dream come true, it's coming. This transformation may not be so so much political as anti-political. The decision to turn away from broken and brittle institutions like conventional schools and conventional jobs will represent a turn toward what military theorist John Robb calls uh, resilient communities, which aspire to self-sufficiency and independence. You know, I'd like to before we before you go on, I'd like to kind of address that. Three or f- four years ago, um, I was an advertising executive in Sarasota, Florida. I drove a um, convertible sports car. I ate lunch out every day. Yuppie my scum. clothes, yeah, my my clothes were. <laughs> I, I I paid to get them pressed. Um, you know, because who wants to do all that ironing? Um, and you know, I, I I paid to live in the the best part of town that I could afford, so that my commute to work was shorter, and and all these things. And I think that one can, you know, when one gives that up, there's a lot of savings to be had um, and you can, you know, you can live more simply and enjoy more things of, you know, on less time. My wife and I now, because I have the, I have, I am blessed by working at this show. I work from home. I make my telephone calls. um, And then when I feel like it, I get up. I go and play with my son. I c- come back five minutes later and I continue making my phone calls or whatever it is, you know, and we, and she makes lunch and, you know, I go upstairs and I eat lunch and usually it's probably healthier for me. It doesn't mm-hmm. have as much salt. I'm, I don't get to, to order the fatty thing that I might order otherwise. Um, and, you know, do I wear pressed clothes? No, I'm wearing a Darth Vader for president T-shirt from, <laughs> and, and it's from 2008. So, um, you know, so no, I, I don't, but, I don't feel like I'm missing anything there. I don't drive the the fast, cool car, but, you know, I got a wife and a kid. It's not like I'm going out trying to fi- pick up a date or anything. So, you know, life life can can change and you can see benefits if you don't live the, you know, the, the high-end lifestyle. Yeah, I was in a similar situation with, with you, Mark, when I lived down in Florida. I had the nice car and the, you know, perfect manicured lawn and the, the yuppie house and everything. And I tell you that... Uh, I have a similar life now where my wife cooks uh, lunch for me 
and and I actually feel like my life is richer now than, than it was then. Yep. I do. Let's We're continue. All, okay. The left will return to its roots as the champion of mutual aid, cooperative living, and what you might call broadband socialism, in which local governments take on the task of building high-end tech infrastructure owned by the entire community. Sounds like a horrible idea. Right. <laughs> right. Assuming what, to, what a way to screw up infrastructure. You enjoy broadband. Don't let the government get in charge of it. <laughs> that's right. Even the local government. But this, that's this fellow's vision of what could happen. Yep. Assuming today's libertarian revival endures, which we think it will, it's easy to imagine the right uh, defending the prerogatives of, of the state and local governments and also of private citizens, including the weird ones. The, the new individualism on the left and right will begin with a spirit of cynicism and distrust for that we see now, the sense that we as a society are incapable of solving pressing problems. It will evolve into a new confidence that citizens working in common can change their lives and in doing so can change the world around them. We see this individualism in the rise of freeganism and this, the small but growing handful of cage-free families who've abandoned their suburban ideals for life on the open road. We also see it in the rising number of high school seniors who take a gap year before college. While the higher education industry continues to agitate for college for all, many young adults are stubbornly resistant, perhaps because they recognize that for a lot of them, college is an overpriced status marker and little else. In the wake of the downturn, household formations have slowed down. More than one-third of workers under 35 live with their parents. The hope is that these young will eventually leave the house when the economy perks up, and doubtless many will. Others, however, will choose to root themselves in their neighborhoods and use social media to create relationships that sustain them as they craft alternatives to the rat race. You know, I, I don't know whether... Uh in, in so many countries, it's fine and dandy when uh, you know adult children live at home. And I don't know why it's, it's such a demarcation of failure in this country. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Uh, we pretty much wrapped that story up. There's one more uh, sentence left, but want to get your thoughts about the future of uh, you know, what life is going to be like. You can welcome to speculate or bring up something uh, completely different. It's Free Talk Live. You can listen to Free Talk Live on the radio via podcast, the webcam, and our live streams at freetalklive.com. Not enough options? Now you can listen to Free Talk Live from any phone, anywhere. Add this number to your phone, 760-569-7752. It's a long-distance call, so make sure you're familiar with your phone's calling plan. The Free Talk Live listen lines are airing the latest episode of Free Talk Live 24 hours a day, including our live shows. Call 760-569-7752. That's 760-569-7752. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves and dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And tonight it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. If you enjoy this program and you want to help support Free Talk Live, we would really appreciate you becoming an amplifier. Times are tough, I understand. Uh, But if you can spare three bucks a month, we would really appreciate it. It's money that we reinvest into this program to help Free Talk Live get on more radio stations, help spread the ideas of freedom as far and as wide and as quickly as possible. 
And the fact that we have over 500 people uh, amplifying the show means we can do more, means we can do more uh, advertising on the Internet. We can do more uh, reaching out to uh, to radio stations to get the show on there. In fact, I'm going to New York City this weekend as part of the Talkers New Media Seminar to schmooze it up uh, with the <laughs> radio executives. Uh, hey, is, Rush. No, well, <laughs> he's actually come to a couple of them uh, in the past, a couple of the conventions we've gone to, but normally they they, they bring him in. He gives a 15-minute speech, and then, oh, and then he oh. leaves. Yeah, uh, But the, really, to his credit, he's a great speaker. I mean, there's no doubt about it. The Rush Limbaugh, what, whatever you think of his politics or his viewpoint, and I don't think much of it, uh, I do respect the guy for what he's done for the industry and for his speaking ability. He did a, we've seen him twice, and he's been great both times. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's, a, it's one of the things that the Free Talk Live AMP money goes for is to get us on more stations, which means it sends me to this convention. Mark normally accompanies me, but Mark, you're going to be uh, hanging out at the Liberty Forum all weekend. Yep. So we're split up uh, for the weekend. And uh, so it sends, uh, sends us to these conventions and it buys advertising in the industry and it, it, uh, it you know, it, it just it helps get Free Talk Live into more ears. So please go to amp.freetalklive.com. Take a moment. Learn more about the program. Get signed up. You get perks like access to the uh, commercial-free podcast, the AMP-only commercial pod, uh, commercial-free podcast. Also, the AMP-only forum. You get the AMP-only call-in line. So we sweeten the deal. You get perks. We get uh, the assistance. Your three bucks a month, which is you know a cup of a price of a cup of coffee at Starbucks. So it's not a, a huge investment. You know the thing I like about the Liberty Forum over uh, the Talkers New Media Seminar is uh, at the Liberty Forum, uh, the Free State Project, uh, you know, springs for us to have rooms, whereas at the Talkers New Medium Seminar, you know, you, uh, you're you always so miserly with the AMP money, I have to share a bed in a <laughs> hotel room with you. We only had to share a bed once or twice. Once or twice? Yeah, well, it's only when you can't get a double. They, You know, we have to take a king. Lions ascend, and when you get to heaven, they won't let you in. <laughs> Do you guys get to see each other naked and stuff? I think I've caught a glimpse. I think I've caught a glimpse. Look at He's like peeking in the bathroom and stuff. 800-259-9231. So that's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Let's go to your phone calls and talk to Simon in Texas. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian Wayne and Mark. Simon? Texas. Simon once. Simon in Texas, going twice. Simon, I guess he's gone. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. So we've talked. We were talking about this story from uh, Time Magazine: the dropout economy, ten ideas uh, for the next ten years, and yeah, maybe some of them will come to fruition. Maybe some of them won't. It's just one guy's vision of what he thinks will uh, will will happen. Apparently, Glenn Beck uh, went over this and considered it a terrible outcome. This prediction. Whereas oh, really? I hear it, and I hear it, it is liberating, you know? Most of it. Yeah, most of it was very agreeable to me. I, yeah, I found it. Well, it's basically showing how the existing system really has to collapse before something really new and good can come up, because the entire system right now is so entrenched that the only way to really get rid of it is to let it collapse, and that's what we're seeing, the beginnings of. Oh, toll-free number 800-259-9231. All right, we've got a call coming in here on the amp lines. We'll go unscreened to this. Who is this? You're on Free Talk Live. Hey, Ian and Mark and Wayne. What's going on, guys? Todd, what's on your it's mind Todd tonight? From, yep. Um, well, uh, boy, did you guys uh, enjoy receiving your census lately? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I took it and threw it in the trash. But actually, since we uh, we were talking about it last night, I did dig it back out of the trash. I was thinking maybe we could have like a census burning party. That would be kind of fun. Yeah, I know. I know. Now, and we know that Wayne filled his... Uh, you filled out the first question, right, Wayne? Question number one. How many people live in this home? 
And Mark did not receive one because he doesn't have a federal mailbox well, you, on his house. Right. For the, well, for the real liberty um, lovers out there, you don't put up the mailbox in the first place. Well, they, I don't have a mailbox either. They actually came right to my house and delivered it. Really? Oh, it, yeah. In person? A census yes. worker? Yeah. That's where you squint in one eye and you talk with a country <laughs> action. Can I help you? What you need around here? Get it? We don't really take kindly to your folks around here. <laughs> what about you, Todd? I mean, what? How did you handle it? Well, unfortunately, my dad handled it for me. Uh, oh no! He sold it out. But yeah, I know, I know, I know. I didn't want to touch the damn thing, so but he did. And he didn't. So. <laughs> and uh, but the interesting thing is, it's the race part of the question that really wrangled me the yeah, most. Yeah, me too. I mean. They have the, you know, black, um, African-American or Negro in there. And I'm like, are you crazy? Are you kidding me? What's the difference? And then they have, and then they have American Indian or Alaska Native, Asian Indian on there. I'm like, excuse me, but if I were going to really fill that thing out, I put Vulcan on there or something. <laughs> well, just a point out, point of information here, black, African-American, or Negro are not three separate choices. Okay. It's, it's one choice. They just try yeah, to hit all the bases. But, well, I'm surprised they didn't put the C word in there, right, in that black there, you know, so uh, it's, uh, I'm surprised that yeah, they didn't, didn't do they, that, uh, Why but... didn't they define white as also Caucasian? It just says white for white. Why not throw in Caucasian there as well in honky? Well, in honky here's yeah. a better question Pecker for you. Why didn't they just put um, German-American or Irish-American or while well, we're at Italian-American? Oh, let's go even further, Croatian-American. I mean, all different flavors of white, you know, uh, you know, um, redheads, blondes, you know, I think, the, I think it's know? because I, mean, um, I, I don't know. I don't know why exactly, but I think the government, um, you know, shares this. The data is more valuable when you separate it by um, ethnicity. Uh, and I, I personally am morally against giving, uh, you know, any kind of ethnicity. I just, you know, I don't, I don't see any point. Yeah, in I it. liked Tom's suggestion that you write in human being in there or yeah. human race or something like that. <laughs> but um, I, I would have put in human race uh, if I had the opportunity. But you know something? Um, one of the interesting things is that my brother's here, by the way, and he's one of those socialist types. But anyway, he believes that, you know, well, we gotta have them, um, we, we gotta have the information so they can, you know, decide how many people are being representative and, and what schools will get funding and, and what in the ages of number of kids we're gonna go in. How are we gonna know that without that information? Well, you know, Mark, you, you said it was like, about ethnicity, but if you look at the question about are you Hispanic, uh, is person one of Hispanic, Latino, or Spanish origin, they start breaking it down by country. So one of them is, yeah. yes, Mexican, Mexican-American, Chicano. Right. The next one is, yes, Puerto Rican. Yes, Cuban is the one after that. And then, yes, another Hispanic or Latino Spanish origin, print origin, for example, Argentinian, Colombian, Dominican, Nicaraguan, Salvadoran, Spaniard. But they don't do that with uh, with any of the other breakdowns. Imagine, there's, there's just Asian. Imagine in, two th- right. imagine in 2020 when they start putting political ideology on there. Um, like Excuse me, point of correction, Todd. Point, conservative. Right, yeah, point, um, point of correction, though. They, they do have Korean, Vietnamese, uh, Chinese, and Japanese, but they don't break down uh, the different African uh, nations. They've got, the, they've got an Asian breakdown and a Hispanic breakdown, yeah. but not an African breakdown. First, right. it's, it's very and inconsistent. I know, I know. It's 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 really um, it's very frustrating when you look at this information. And remember, several weeks ago, when Judge Napolitano on his show was alerting everybody about the whole uh, thing about the income and 
all the other information that they were going to put on those forms, and they backed off of it, if I recall, because, uh, excuse me, but isn't the information that you're asking me to put on this form that I had to put um, on my federal income taxes? You know, I mean, it's just nuts. I mean, they wanted to know exactly how much money you make a single year, you know. uh, Is that on there? How much money um, you make? uh, You're talking about the IRS. I don't see that on the census. That was on the long form. That was on the long form. How many people got the long form? I I didn't get the long for my thing. Yeah, because I heard that they cut it down to ten questions so they could really advertise themselves as uh, as going easy on people this year. I think they they give you the long form in the off years of the American Community Survey. Todd, thanks for the call tonight. Appreciate hearing from you. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Yeah, you know, on the previous letter they give you before they give you the survey, one thing they always say is that that everything is strictly confidential and everything, but. Yeah, you know, history doesn't bear that out. For example, in World War II, the U.S. used the census data to to round up Japanese and and intern them in camps. They sure did, and they, but they promise it's going to be private, Wayne. They they promise here that it's going to be private that you don't have to worry about that now because mm-hmm. they're you know the government's so honest with you. You know, also looking at this uh, this race question here, there's the white option, and I suppose that includes like people from Russia and uh, and Europe and uh, all these other places, but. You're not necessarily white if you're from Russia and Europe and those other places. Black people are born there, too. Mm-hmm. So it's very inconsistent. I mean, they, they have breakdowns for Asian countries, but they don't have breakdowns for the European countries or breakdowns for... Uh, it's just very strange. Very strange. You know, it, everybody's mixed. It just depends on how mixed you are. Yeah. I don't, I don't like these race questions. I, I understand they feel like they could draw conclusions from their race as to what kind of music they'll listen to, the products they'll buy, things like that. But uh, I, I won't give it. We'll see you tomorrow night online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. The following edition of the Edgington Post interview series is brought to you by the Free Talk Live AMP program. Become a Free Talk Live amplifier today for as little as three bucks a month. Get perks and help us get on more radio stations and more internet connections at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. And here's Mark. It's another episode of the Edgington Post. And uh, today I have with me Frederick Graves. Frederick, you're the guy who put together Jurisdictionary, right? That is correct. And We're the blessed person that was able to do that, yes. <laughs> and you've got a, a, a Ph.D. In, um, in, in jurisprudence. Well, it's a J.D., a Juris Doctor degree. I, pardon me if I don't know all these, uh, these, this terminology. So you're actually a, a doctor also. Yes, practiced for- law for 23 years in Florida. Fantastic. Now, um, the, tell me the, the, the quick uh, elevator speech as to what Jurisdictionary is, if nobody's ever heard of it. Now, I've done a couple of live reads on the show, but they may not have gotten an entirely what, what I was trying to say, or they may not have been listening. Well, I think one, of the, one thing kind of explains it is our phone number, our toll-free number is 866-LAW-EASY. And what we've done is we have discovered, it was pretty amazing, actually, Mark, we discovered back in... 1996, that everything that I'd been doing for those 10 years of practicing ended up depending on just a handful of pages in a book called The Rules of Court, 19 pages of evidence, about 35 pages of the rules of procedure, and it dawned on me, since I'd already written books and magazine articles about various subjects, it dawned on me that that this is something that could be taught to people, that people don't have to be in the dark and just be victims of my profession. 
you know, it costs it costs a great deal to hire somebody to uh, to defend you if, or or to take, you know, to defend if the government comes after you, it doesn't cost them anything. But, you know, of course, it costs you money to, to hire a lawyer. And I think that's that's the reason a lot of people just pay the fines and move on. Well, yeah, but you see, the, the thing that, that is so exciting and, and uplifting and positive about this jurisdictionary message is that it turns out that what a person really needs to know is very, very simple. It's very, very simple. Just a handful of rules, and once you understand the rules and how to use the rules, now these people don't, they don't get away with these things. I mean, they, lawyers traditionally, that's why they're lawyer jokes. Lawyers traditionally take advantage of the fact that other people don't understand these fundamental rules. And frankly, a lot of the lawyers that I've met don't understand the rules because they're not really emphasized in law school. We read a bunch of cases, we talk about a bunch of theories, and then somehow after three years of this, they give us a degree and we pass the bar and go out into the world. And a lot of people don't understand that really litigation is just a game like baseball or golf or anything else. There are rules, and once you understand the rules, you you know you improve your odds. And if you don't know the rules, you don't have a chance. So um, these rules that you're explaining are these? Are, is is this a situation where you got these all capital letters, and if I file the right motion with the court, they give me a they give me a trust fund that's been held in my name by the U.S. government underneath the uh, underneath uh, B- Buckingham Palace in, in London. Well, no, it's nothing like that, <laughs> actually. The, what we're talking about, and, and it's, it's fun, and I'm glad you mentioned that, because what we're talking about is showing people how to use these rules, how to walk into court with the rules. In fact, I tell people, buy the book. It's about $35, the official book, and be sure to drop it on the table so it makes a bang, so the judge will look up and try to wonder, well, what made that noise? And you can kind of look at him and look down so he knows you have the rule book. And once you go through this course, you know how to make everybody play by the rules. And the beautiful thing, Mark, about the rules of American justice is this. They work for the good guy if you know how to work them. And if you don't know how to work them, then corrupt, sidewinding other members of my profession will take advantage of you. It, isn't, it shouldn't be that way. But now people have an opportunity to actually stand up to this kind of corruption and put a stop to it. You know, I was uh, talking to an attorney, I think it was uh, last weekend, well, I guess the weekend before last, and, um, you know, he's a friend of mine, and he was just basically saying that, you know, what lawyers do for a living is go in rooms and kind of chat with each other and have some coffee and talk about stuff, and then they all come out and straighten their suits up and then, you know, pretend for the clients that they've really done something. Well, there is a lot of that. I mean, there really is. And it's a shame, and our goal here is to educate the American people so they understand it. And let me make this point. This is so important. Everyone talks about their rights. You go to the barbershop, you sit down, people start talking about what's going on in Congress and all of this. But then ultimately they talk about, they say, well, the Constitution this and the Constitution that, and they don't realize that until you know how to use the rules of due process, and we're talking about approximately 54 pages, that's not a lot, the official rules, until you actually understand how to use the power that belongs to you, your right to due process, to file a case, to make pleadings, to call witnesses, to make a record and and move the court. Once you understand that, now you finally understand how to enforce all those other rights, the rights that are guaranteed in the Constitution, your common law rights, your statutory rights, But until you understand the rules of due process, 
those 54 pages and how to use them tactically and strategically, you might as well sit back and realize either you have enough money to hire a lawyer and get lucky enough to get a good one, or you don't have any right. You're, you're absolutely right. I've gone to, to court. I've seen friends go to court. Um, you know, here on Free Talk Live, we recommend to people, take your stuff to court. And um, I've seen people go in there and they just get rail, they just get run right over. Um, they, they don't speak the right words at the right time. You know, oh, you're, you were supposed to present that previously and you failed to do so, so now you can't, that kind of thing. And, and if you don't know the rules, you're, <laughs> you're, really, you're really fighting a, a very uphill battle. Well, I hope someday somebody puts us out of business by teaching these things in the public schools. I think it's an absolute crime that we aren't teaching our children the fundamentals of American justice in our schools, and we're not. We don't teach them a thing about depositions, interrogatories, pleadings, causes of action. You know, they don't, they don't know anything about it. And so I think most of the American public, 99.99% of the American public, feels disenfranchised, separated from, alienated by this government that we were always supposed to be actively controlling and I think a lot of people think, you know, if we can just get a thousand people to, you know, march on the, the mall up there in Washington, it's going to change things. But history shows that that doesn't work very often. But going to court does. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right that marching on, marching on Washington, you know, I, I'm fine with the people that go and march and I'm for them. I, you know, Me good too. luck to you. But. I don't think it's going to. I think don't think that's going to fix it. And I think that uh, there are a few methods that one might use. I and I th- I feel like the court system is definitely one of them. If nothing else, it slows down the apparatus of uh, you know the judicial system, the government itself, from from the, the inexorable growth that seems to be going on. Absolutely, but you know, take for example Roe versus Wade. Okay. You know, no matter no matter where you stand on that position. You see, uh, I don't mean Roe versus Wade, uh, Rosa Parks. Okay. Take her, for example. Okay, no matter where you stand on that position, people don't have to ride in the back of the bus just because their skin's a different color. No more. Right. But that didn't come about by carrying signs in Montgomery. I've been to Montgomery. I mean, Dr. King's church is just like 100 yards from the Capitol building. A lot of people don't know that. Mm-hmm. But I've been to Montgomery. And all the sign carrying, everything, that certainly raised people's consciousness to the problem. But ultimately, the problem was solved when somebody went to court and finally was able to persuade the court to enter an order. No more. And then Roe versus Wade that we mentioned earlier, there's a decision. If you ever read it, it will make you angry, no matter what your position on abortion might be. If you read Roe versus Wade and look at how ridiculous it is, or read the latest decision by Sotomayor that just came out, the new Supreme Court justice that came out nine to nothing, December 8th. Absolute nonsense. And yet the American people are totally ignorant and held and kept in the dark by other members of my profession, the American Bar Association and the various state bar associations. This has to stop. And that's what we're trying to do, Mark, and that's why we appreciate you. Now, um, Jurisdictionary is a program basically for individuals uh, to take their cases to court themselves, pro se, right? Or, or it's a course for a fairly wealthy business person who has a business who's been paying his lawyer thirty, forty thousand dollars a year to go and do various things, and in almost every case, overpaying the lawyer because the business person doesn't know what a lawyer should be doing or what the lawyer could be doing, and with the course, 
you know, in five hours with the video alone, this excellent video that you can go through in five hours, at the end of five hours, now you know what your lawyer should be doing. So it's not just for people who can't afford a lawyer and don't really have choice in the matter. They, they have to do whatever they can do or they lose. And it's also for people who are hiring lawyers that are spending way more money and getting way fewer services than they should be getting simply because they don't know what to expect. It's like a fellow I talked to the other day. He's a very successful real estate person here in Florida, but he studied automobile mechanics years ago and got a little degree in automobile mechanics, and he was he was making that parallel with me and saying, you know, yeah, I take my car to the shop, but I know what the uh, mechanic is supposed to be doing, and I know what I'm paying for, and I don't pay for things that I shouldn't have to pay for. Yeah, you know, it it, it really does pay to, uh, to, to, to know what's going on. As a matter of fact, a uh, similar situation for me, I, I, I got a autom- uh, little auto mechanics uh, certificate from the Vocational Technical Institution, and I have caught mechanics uh, that, you know, it seemed like they were... Trying to swindle me, and um, you know, just just mentioning a little bit of knowledge, suddenly their price changes. You know, suddenly they 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 change their opinion about things, and uh, you know, they they just don't have the expectation that people know this stuff. And so, if you can show them your hand a little bit, and I think that that's what you were talking about there with the rules of rules of court. When you drop that book on the table, you give everybody notice that I know a little bit at least about what I'm talking about here. Well, absolutely. You know, and then. You know, having an automobile that, you know, that runs well and it's safe to operate on the highway with your precious passengers inside and so forth, that's very important. But there is nothing, and I have to just emphasize that, there is nothing more important than justice. You know, people talk about liberty. They say, well, liberty is more important. And I have to argue and I have to say, well, here's the problem. If, if you don't know how to get justice through the courts, you know, if you have liberty, you know, thank God you have it, but if somebody decides to take it away from you, you're going to lose it. Yeah. And people are losing their liberties left and right because my profession has refused to teach what jurisdictionary makes so incredibly easy and affordable to learn. Now, um, I know that you sometimes you, in order to get like evidence and stuff like that in the in the courtroom, you have to have uh, draft pleadings ahead of time and and things like that, and and that's where I sort of get start getting scared. Um, I don't mind going in there and into court and talking or whatever, but I I don't know all the 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 ins and the outs. Does it uh, does jurisdictionary tell you how to draft uh, pleadings and um, you know get evidence from opponents and things like that? Absolutely. And we give examples and, you know, we have stories about things like a fellow that promised to spray somebody's strawberries and he didn't do it. And, and we have all these sample pleadings and sample motions and sample discovery. But, but here's something, and, and believe me or not, this is true. Many lawyers don't understand this because it, is, it wasn't taught at the law school that I went to, and it must not have been taught to the law school that a lot of lawyers I met in my 23 years went to because they don't seem to understand it. Every case stands on what we call elements. You see, and I go back to my chemistry background. If you want to make sulfuric acid, you have to have some sulfur, some hydrogen, and some oxygen. Mm-hmm. Now, if you don't have any oxygen, then you have hydrogen sulfide. That's what rotten eggs smell like, you see. Yes. And, and, and if you don't have any hydrogen, then you have sulfur dioxide, and that's another nasty smell. And if you don't have any sulfur, then you got water. And none of those things are sulfuric acid. And what you find out through this course, you learn something called the elements of each 
right to sue that you have. A right to sue is called a cause of action or in the federal courts it's called a claim on which the court can grant relief. Each of these causes of action or right to sue stand or fall on your being able to do two things, Mark. One, allege the ultimate facts that establish the elements of that cause of action. And then number two, prove those ultimate facts by the greater weight of evidence using a system called discovery. And discovery has five tools, five, not 125 somebody has to memorize or 1,400. And this is not complicated. 54 pages of the official rules, um, official rules of Major League Baseball, 125 pages. The official evidence rules in every federal court in the United States of America are only 19 pages, and most states follow the federal rules. And yet, you and your children were denied this knowledge, and that's why everybody loves us, because we don't, we don't care. And I had, I had lunch with uh, Supreme Court Justice LaBarga a couple of weeks ago. You know, I, I, these people, they don't have anything to say about what we do because we're teaching people something that they should have been taught a long time ago, and no one can complain. That we're, we're not out in the fringe element. We're not telling you these these wild old ideas that people offer on the Internet that are getting people in trouble, what we're saying is, look, folks, if you go in there and use the official rules, now you can hold the judge's feet to the fire and make the judge do what he's supposed to do. But if you don't know the official rules, you want to play some game that somebody came up with on the Internet, good luck. Yeah, um, speaking of that, uh, we, we do get a lot of uh, calls on our show talking about different games, essentially, what a, if, you, to use your term, that uh, people talk about you can do this, you can do that. There are ways you can drive around without a license plate on the back of your car as long as you call it a vessel and you, you write on the back of it that it's a vessel or, you know, like all kinds of <laughs> things. There's all kinds of stuff out there. And um, a co-host of ours who's uh, kind of the, the, the greatest legal mind that we have on Free Talk Live He's no lawyer, but but he's he's studied it more, and he's he's uh, bought the jurisdictionary uh, you know set, and he claims that it is the best thing that's helped him all along. So I guess he felt like it gave him the basic foundation, and he's been building off of that over time. It's fabulous. Yeah. I mean, it it knocks me out. I wake up each morning and I have to pinch myself. I can't believe that you know that God let me do this because it is so much fun. Because we what we're doing. If you look at your Gospel of Luke, chapter 11, verse 52, the Lord Christ says, Woe to you lawyers, for you've hidden the keys of knowledge. And here we are over 2,000 years later, and the keys of knowledge are still being hidden by my profession. And so I just figured, my granddaddy told me a long time ago, he says, the key to success is find a need that the people have and fill it. Well, here's a need that people have, and we're filling it, and we are having a ball. I'm I'm really glad. You know, in 54 pages of, uh, of, of rules is... You know, I I think about the the phone I have on my hip, the, the instruction booklet's more than fifty four pages long. <laughs> <laughs> so well, no, um, the thing is, if you were to sit and people do this all the time, they call me and they say, "Well, I went to the law library and I I, I studied, I looked, and this and everything." You know, and there are thousands of books in the law library. There are, and and but the fact is, every case, what we talk about, the lawyers use this term. We say there's a law of the case. It might be automobile negligence, might be medical malpractice, could be breach of contract, could be fraud, whatever it is. That's called the law of the case. And then it turns out that the law of the case ends up being very simple, not a difficult thing. But we feel so bad for naive people that go into court and they've found the law of their case and they think they know what the facts are. 
and they're like somebody sitting down to play a game of cards, a game of hearts, or a game of bridge, or a game of poker, and they don't know the rules. Mm. So we deal them a perfect hand, and they don't know how to play the hand. So they've got the law of the case on their side, they've got the facts on their side, but they go to courts, don't know how to play the game to win, so they lose. So what we do... It happened to me. We're tro- yeah, and what we're showing people is... If you sit down to read those rules of court by themselves without jurisdictionary, you're probably going to have a real hard time understanding them. But if you read and go through the jurisdictionary and listen to the audio and watch the video and read the tutorials, then what you have is the advantage of somebody who did practice law for 23 years, who doesn't trust judges, doesn't trust lawyers. It's not that there aren't some honest lawyers out there. It's almost an oxymoron. (laughs) And there are some wonderful judges but I teach people, when you go into court, do not assume the judge is going to do what's right unless you want to lose, and never assume the lawyer is going to do what's right. Just we go in there assuming that. We hope for the best, but we assume the worst. We're ready for that, and I teach them this kind of strategy and tactics so that they can apply the rules to control that corruption that is all too prevalent in today's courtroom. So um, if you know that that sounds great, that sounds like exactly what I've been been looking for. Um, you know, it's, it's just some kind of instruction booklet, a simple instruction booklet on how to take something to court. Because the same thing has happened to me where I've had, I knew I had the law, I knew I had them nailed, and you know the the lawyer the lawyer on the other team scared the crap out of me before we went in said that i was going to end up having to pay not only my uh, fees but the town's fees and that my law didn't apply and you know he may or may not have been telling me the truth frederick i have no idea but uh you know i i do know that i, I do know that i got scared and i and i dropped the case and you know he went on his his merry way so what does somebody get when somebody buys uh the the package at jurisdictionary.com well they get what we call the 24 hour self-help course, step-by-step. And it doesn't take 24 hours to really grasp this. It takes five hours to get the the meat and potatoes of it started. There's a five-hour narrated video where I talk to you, you, uh, you, I show you things on the screen, I show you pleadings, I show you relationships of various aspects of this thing. For example, people don't understand. C-A-T spells cat. Mm -hmm. Complaint, answer, trial okay see then there's then there's the mo- the uh the motions after motion to dismiss motion to strike motion for more definite statement this isn't rocket science you know maybe you're going to have to spend five or ten minutes to go through this to know what those three motions are but after five or ten minutes you say oh okay i know what that's all about and then there's discovery and there are five discovery tools request for admissions request for production where you get papers and documents from the other side interrogatories where you send them written questions they have to answer under oath or go to jail. I love that part of it. <laughs> depositions, depositions, and what I call subpoena power, where you can actually get the court to give you an order forcing somebody to you know, unlock his garage and let you go in there with a the sheriff and see what's in his garage or get his toothbrush if that's important. You have all this power because you are an American, and yet without that power... And I love the Constitution. I've taken an oath several times to uphold the Constitution. But without the power of knowing due process, the Constitution's a worthless piece of paper if you can't enforce it. And I want people to know the power that they have. It's amazing the power. 
If you're a good person and somebody does something bad to you, whether it's the government or a tobacco company or your next-door neighbor's tree falls on your, on your house, you have tremendous power to make a public record of that and to demand that redress of grievances once you know how to use the rules that are in those 54 pages. Let me add this one thought. When we were in the seventh grade to learn how to play chess, it was a big deal. A lot of us learned how to play chess, and we figured, oh, the bishop moves on the diagonal and so forth. Now I know how to play chess until you play chess with someone that really knows how to play chess. <laughs> so that's what we do. You can, you can read the rules, and you can go off and do whatever you want to do. But if you go through our course, now you become a master chess player. Well, um, it, 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 it's, a, it's quite a claim. What's the, uh, what, what's the cost for this wonder course, uh, Frederick Graves? Well, it's, it's 249 It comes on four CD-ROMs. Uh, it all plays in your computer. It's not a DVD because you can't get five hours on a on a DVD. So sure can. One CD. It's all that. So it's there's four CDs, fifteen reference tutorials, two and a half hours on two CDs. You can play in your car, and then the five hour video, and uh, then there's a little bit for shipping and handling. It's two forty nine, but you also get instant online access, so you can start learning right away as soon as you order. And the, the court ships priority mail, so it takes two days to three days what post office does to deliver it. And it's extremely popular. It's, it just grows in popularity all the time because I guess for some strange reason, nobody who ever got a degree, you see, in law and practiced law and learned the simplicity of all this, nobody ever thought that maybe it would be a good idea to share it with the public. Well, it's kind of like giving away Anna, um, Grandma Alice's uh, apple pie recipe. Um, I mean, you know, this is the this is the thing that businesses are built upon. And two fifty sounds sounds pretty reasonable. It's certainly uh, cheaper than paying a t- uh, you know some tickets are more than two fifty. And and if you had two tickets, that definitely would would pay for it over time. And just knowing this stuff uh, arms better arms the average citizen with uh, you know dealing with the government or or people that would uh, do them um, you know financial harm. Well, Mark, we even go so far as, and, and we have some customers that that get this because they want to learn it and teach their children. Really, we do, and that's our that's our real dream is for people to begin to realize that as part of this so-called patriot movement. You see, if we would only learn the rules that are America, you know, it's with with liberty and justice for all. And the fact is, today it's with liberty and justice for some, and it should not be that way. And yet, if the American people would all buy my course, of course, that would make me very happy, and I could build a campus, the, you know, the People's Law School, and do a lot of other wonderful things like developing curricula for the schools. But if, but if we had millions of people out there that understood just how crooked the legal profession is and then how to control it. You see, we have a lot of people on the Internet. I get emails, you know, how crooked the judges are, how crooked the lawyers are, and then I read the emails, and they aren't telling me how to fix it. Yeah. And then we come along and we say, well, okay, thank you for pointing at the darkness, but here is the light that pierces the darkness, and I didn't invent it. It's simply the official rules of court and how to use them. You know, I, I, I think that, uh, that that sounds like just the, the sort of thing that I'm, I'm looking, looking for, Fred. Do um, What happens if I get the, the jurisdictionary course, and for whatever reason I don't understand a portion of it? What do I, um, you know, what, how do I handle that? Well, like a lot of other companies, we have a, we have forums on our website. Okay. We have a lawsuit Q&A help forum, and you can post questions there. 
and uh, we try to answer everybody's question, or somebody tries to answer the question. But what we found out, this may, may sound like I'm just, just a selling point, but we have found out from people that if they will actually go through the course, instead of holding it up to their ear, you know, or putting yeah. it on the shelf, looking at it once in a while, if they will actually go through the course, they get it. In <laughs> fact, that's one of the fun things about this. People study the course, and then there's a point where they kind of slap themselves in the head, and they say, wow, it really is easy. I get it. Well, it's I... that simple. Honest to goodness, it really is that simple. If you can, if, you, know, if you know, if you can play a game of baseball, or I mean, look at golf. There are rules. And, and if you can actually learn these rules, then you're so far ahead of the game, and they don't teach it at law school. They teach us all kinds of crazy. They talk about constitutional law and contract law, property law, investing, and, you know, states by the entireties and all this stuff. And we went through all that stuff when, in fact, and I've had, I've had lawyers tell me this, this should be first semester in law school. Everyone should be required to take this, but they don't teach it. And quickly, I can say this, I think. The reason is that law schools, of course, depend on their public image. They have to be politically correct. They can't tell the law students that when you get out there, you're going to be running up against some crooked lawyers, and you're going to run up against some judges who have what we call the black robe disease. And law schools aren't going to teach you that. They're not going to teach you how to tactically and strategically use the official rules to protect yourself against these gorillas in the black robe and these lawyers that would sell out their own mother for a dollar. And, <laughs> and, and so we do. But Jurisdictionary.com does. By golly, we do. And we're having fun doing it. And the bar has no objection. They, they really can't object because it's not my fault they messed up. Yeah. Well, you're just playing by their rules uh, and making them play by their rules. Um, you know, juris- jurisdictionary.com sounds, you've sold me, it sounds like a good product, and I am ready to uh, ready to get one. Um, what what do people do? They go to jurisdictionary.com and? That's it. Go to jurisdictionary.com. It says how to win in court without a lawyer. Now, that's a little bit misleading because it's also for people who have a lawyer and they're tired of paying the lawyer for, you know, making a bunch of phone calls and never really doing anything. Excellent. So, it's just amazing, and there's a lot of free stuff there. I mean, you know, people should go there. There's an alphabet. You click on the alphabet, and there's a whole bunch of explanations of uh, of legal terms that you don't have to pay for that. There's a whole bunch of other little things, a bunch of links. Just click away, look, read the testimonials. They're all from real people. And when you're ready to order the course, it just says click here to order, and and it, and you get the email right away, so you have access instantly. And the CDs will be sent out to you from Salt Lake City Priority Mail. Well, we're just having a ball. <laughs> I'm glad it's working out, and I'm glad that you've uh, made this offer available to uh, my listeners. Um, it, I, and I recommend they go to jurisdictionary.com and uh, get the course. Uh, Frederick Graves, thank you very much. Well, tell tell them when they get there, it, it, when they order, use the little pull down, and you know, and tell me that they found out about it from you. Uh, that's right. There's a free talk live is on the pull down menu. I have mentioned that in the uh, in the live reads, but uh, forgot to mention it right here. Thank you. Bless your heart. Thank you, sir. Attention, active and separated U.S. military personnel. This message is just for you. You're entitled to benefits that are not available to the general public. You deserve them. Your family deserves them. And we want to make sure you know about them. This is Tim Lewis of iFreedom Direct and a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. 
Did you know VA programs can allow you to buy a home with no down payment? Or refi with cash out up to 100% of your home's equity? And, because of your service to your country, it's usually easier to qualify for a VA loan than a conventional loan. On your feet! And get all the details at varadio.com. iFreedom Direct Corporation is a private lender approved by the VA and licensed in most states. In certain states, restrictions and limitations apply. For a current list of licenses, disclosures, and all benefits, go to varadio.com or call 800-900-VA-LOAN. varadio.com.